And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Flashback Fridays. I am your host, David K. Montoya. And you caught me just in time. I just pulled out the Wayback Machine and I'm warming this puppy up. Uh, we're going to get started here in a moment, but I just wanted to put some news out and take care of a little housekeeping before we get started. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this or not, because it happened during the blackout. So I don't know if it has been publicly announced, but the Jason Modcast is no longer the only ones that is carrying Flashback Fridays. Uh, it is now on iTunes and Stitcher. So before, for the last, I think, 12 episodes, uh, you could, you know, you'd have to go to your computer and listen to the flashback, uh, Fridays off your computer. But now, now you can listen to it on any mobile device, you know, uh, whether it be a smartphone or your tablet, iPad, um, Anything that you can download, the Stitcher or iTunes app, you can listen to us right off your mobile device and enjoy the three hours of audio entertainment that we bring to you right here on Flashback Fridays. Okay, that's enough of the business end. That's all I wanted to let you guys know. So let's go ahead and get this puppy started. Like I said, I already have the, the Wayback Machine already pulled out and ready to go. It's warmed up. And if you're by chance new to the show, let me give you a brief rundown of what we do. Each and every week we get together and I dip into the Jaso Modcast archives. Uh, I pull three tabs and each tab has a show and an episode number. And we enjoy those shows. And then... After those three shows, I send you on your merry way, and if you liked it, you come back next week and we do it all over again right here on Flashback Fridays. All right, that's what we do, kids. Uh, let's go ahead and just dip right in to our little cauldron of shows. If you're also, if you're new to this, just by chance, I have a cauldron. It's a plastic cauldron. Um, but I have all our shows and I think we stopped, uh, I think we stopped at our year mark, putting them in. So we have literally a one year full of shows and then that's what we pull from. We got these little tabs and each tab has an episode or excuse me, has a show name and an episode and that's what we go with. All right, let's see, get something good here. All right, first episode is Don't Get Us Started, number 14. Released November 21st, 2013, and this is called Turkey Talk. And it says, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, Sadie and Lacey talk about holiday traditions, cooking, and a lot about food. So don't listen to this episode if you have an empty stomach. All right, kids, I know that Don't Get Us Started said, well, we're not going to talk about cooking and food, but, you know, it's it's was turkey time. So they were, that's all they had on their mind was getting some good food made up. And let me tell you, on, on Lacey's end of things, she made a wonderful Thanksgiving meal. 
<laughs> I was the recipient of that one. All right, kids, sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of this week. And it is Don't Get It Started, episode number 14, Turkey Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I am S. Sadie Burbank. And I am Lacey Montoya. Thank you for joining us on Don't, Don't Get, Get It Started. started. So, here we are. We're it's back. Halloween's all, all over and gone. Yes, and we had that a... Was fun. We had a short vacay because of my illness. Yes, you didn't have a... You didn't have... Well, and, and you had a birthday, too. Yeah. And I had a level up day. Sorry, sorry that you were not well, but glad you're feeling back up to whatever normal is. Oh, what is normal? He's <laughs> uh, a crap out of me, if I know. <clears throat> I don't... Uh, my normal is fluctuating. I guess that's everybody's normal, yeah. actually, when you think about it. But anyhow, uh, my normal is I'm not in bed crying, so I guess I'm good. <laughs> uh, that's always, that's always a good thing, whether it's normal or not. Uh, but I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you. And so we, we did miss a show, but, uh, you We're know, back. we are only human. We do have human, uh, physical frailties from time to time. So. There you go. Yes. Now we're we're all back and ready for we're facing Thanksgiving now. Yay. I cannot believe, honest to God, I I know you've seen them too. The tree lots are already up. Yes. There's no trees in them. Not yet. But they're up and waiting for the shipment of they Christmas They will probably trees. be here probably this week. Oh, I they Usually they yeah. come up like the week before Thanksgiving. A lot of people do. A lot of people put their trees up on Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. It's sort of become uh I haven't a decided I yet guess. if I'm going to put mine up. I've decided I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm having only... company coming in from out of state for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So you might. I I, I did might. the last time they came in. I, I know, know you did. You had your tree up. I remember. Yeah. And and that way, you know, you can sort of combine the two holidays yes. into one holiday visit they come from a long way away yes. so it's you know it's not they're not going to get to come back for no Christmas, and where so. she lives it snows yeah a lot so and between where she lives and where you live it snows a lot yes. and mountain passes and whatnot yes so it's kind of uh difficult to make the trip but right now they don't have snow on the ground so they're planning <clears throat> on coming out so i'm Yay. so excited yes that'll be fun <clears throat> and do you have a lot of uh Holiday Thanksgiving tradition type yes, things that you I guys do. I love cooking with my mom on Thanksgiving. Yeah. We just goof off in the kitchen. We make um, because Thanksgiving we don't usually eat breakfast. We we eat Thanksgiving yeah, really. dinner yeah. like about one or two. Yeah, because it's such a big meal. It's kind of right. hard to eat breakfast and so we do um like a vegetable tray. We'll do ham rolls with the cream cheese and the shaker chilies, and you wrap it up in ham. Mm. Mm. And you sprinkle a little bit of cayenne on top. Oh, mm -hmm. they're so good. Mm -hmm. And then the olives, the green olives and the black mm -hmm. olives we do. And then celery and cream cheese, a little tray. And cheese and crackers. And we munch on that until dinner time. Because, of course. That would pretty well be <clears throat> me in for <laughs> you got Thanksgiving dinner cooking and your tummy's grumbly. So yeah. you just go get a little snack and you'll be good to go. Yeah. But well, on Wednesday, I'm going to make my pies. Yeah. And we make the, the homemade pumpkin pie. And then I cheat. I just buy a surly French apple pie. Oh, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's not cheating. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bake a, a pumpkin. Maybe two. I don't know. Because I got deep dish 
uh, crust. Mm-hmm. You know, like we always get the talk about dish. cheat. I mean, I have like <clears throat> the crust in the pan. I'm doing that too. Ready to pour the pumpkin uh-huh. into it, I'm frozen doing that way. in the freezer, waiting for me to, to because it's easier. I don't. Well, I don't do pie crust all that well. Right. I I probably could, but. I'm lazy. Right. With I my mom, it. she doesn't like the consistency of flour touching her fingers. Oh, well, I don't have issues like that. I just am lazy. I don't, if I can buy an already made crust that's decent. Hell yeah. I'm there. And, uh, but it's a deep dish pie. So I'll probably make more filling than mm-hmm. I'll need, you know, and I probably, be, I don't know if I've got a <laughs> recipe that says, probably says how many cups of stuff you get out of it, actually. If I thought about it, I could probably figure out how much. And divide it. Yeah, if I, you know, put my mind to it. And then I decided I'm going to get some heavy cream for the mashed potatoes because we like mashed potatoes with heavy cream. We do ours with cream cheese. Cream cheese sounds interesting, too. I've never it doesn't done have it with cream, the cream cheese. cheese. It just gives it a rich. Mm. That's good. Because I was like you, I was like, mm, I don't know about that, but it was so good, fluffy and rich non, and yummy. They have a non-fat <clears throat> cheese mm-hmm. that I could maybe do that. I have to watch the fats right. a little bit. Not so much for me, right. even though I'm the big one of the family, uh, but I don't have the cholesterol issues that my husband has. So, right. I unfortunately, I have to sort of help us watch that. And it's not... Uh, is because I don't have cholesterol issues that I shouldn't watch the fats. I shouldn't watch the fats because we are what we eat, and I am already. So if I eat more fat, then I'm just fatter. So but I it's Thanksgiving. Watch it. It's only one time a year. I know, but you know, there's so then many, there's the leftovers. So many times I find that excuse <laughs> comes in handy in the holiday times. <clears throat> I know when uh, my husband used to go to this one physician and. Uh, she was she was so cool about his diabetes. She used to tell him, now the holidays are coming. Don't feel compelled to check your blood sugar all the time because you pretty well got it under control with your meds. Right. She said, just, you know, if you start feeling a little strange, maybe check it. But right. otherwise, don't, don't worry about it because you're going to eat outside your diet. Well, yeah. For the holidays. And I want you to. I want you to enjoy your holiday meals and stuff. So just relax and don't worry about it. And we'll check your blood sugar in January. Right. You know, I can, I can just hear the doctors in the audience rolling over going, oh, my God. But he is a, um, a type 2 diabetic that is, like, just barely borderline into the diagnosed stage. He's, you know, his, his A1C is, like... Most of the time, six and a half to seven. Okay. So it's really not a big issue for him. But because Daddy had diabetes, we know uh, that, you know, he has to deal with it. So most of the year, he's good. Once in a while, we have our bad boy times. And the holiday holidays is definitely <coughs> one of those Honey, times. Honey, we need to buy more candy. Yeah, that's How many trick-or-treaters did you get? That's what he said. We had to get, I had bought, um, I bought the equivalent, or I bought three bags of, of the miniatures. The, yeah, I bought Snickers. Bite size. Um, Snickers Mars bars and Snickers peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, those are awfully good. The Snickers peanut those. butter ones? Uh-huh. <gasps> I had no idea. I had never eaten one until this Halloween when I bought those. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I didn't get zits. I mean, I really had that many of them. But um, so, so I bought those uh-huh. and I said, okay, there's our Halloween candy. 
And he goes, yeah, that's cool. And it filled up the little basket, you know, right. and because we never know how many kids are coming. Right. It varies. You know, sometimes we have one, sometimes we have 20. Right. Most of the time, one or two. And so then, because I had bought them two weeks before time, of course, um, the basket started doing Yeah, <laughs> the basket kept going down, you know, and I kept eating those peanut butter ones. My God, those things are good. And they're like four bites. To, I mean, they're a small bar, but geez, they're... They're square. They're, they're like two inches square. Yeah. yeah, they're huge. And so I was like, oh, man, I love those things. I had, And then I also got the Snickers with almonds, and mm-hmm. I really like those, too, because I'm a big almond freak. So anyhow... Long story short, we got closer to Halloween, and Ernie's all, you need to buy more candy for Halloween. <laughs> and I go, for Halloween or what? And he goes, well, you never know, you know. So I said, well, I'll get some of those icky ones we don't like. And he goes, no, no. <laughs> get the good ones for the kids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's for uh-huh. the kids, all right. What age so, group is this yeah, kid? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I bought another bag. This time I just bought a bag that had those uh, that assortment, assortment in it because it was the same price either right. way. And then I also bought um, a, a bag of assorted nut roll mm-hmm. miniatures. And they had, uh, like, he likes the nut roll mm-hmm. because, well, I think he thinks it's not as much sugar because <laughs> it's like. It's got nuts on it. It's Well, it's nougat in the middle and then nuts wrapped around it. And right. So I think he thinks. But they also had a chocolate coated one. Mm-hmm. And then they had one with a peanut-flavored nougat, it's mm-hmm. sort of like peanut buttery right. in the middle, too. I didn't like either one of those. I liked the other ones, but he liked them, you know. And so we got that and this other bag of Snickers thing. And then I wound up bringing a bunch of it over yes. to your kids because I thought, if I don't bring these over to your kids, my kid's going to eat them. Uh-huh. And your kid and doesn't eat it. Because we only had one family of trick-or-treaters with three little girls. They were so cute. And they got major handfuls of well, candy because yes. they were the only ones that came. So they were all excited. But They're um, writing a note. Check. We will be at this house yeah, next year. Score! Because she was, and the little one little girl was so cute. I held the basket and she was like reaching into uh-huh. the basket. And the mom's going, no, no, don't do that. And I go, it's it's cool. Trust me, it's cool because... <laughs> If I don't give these to you, they're going to wind up on my ass. <laughs> so let's let's get rid of them. But we do that. We we kind of pig out for for the holidays. You know, like I said, to find reasons. Well, I do a lot of baking come Christmas. Yeah, that's that's really good. I have stopped doing a lot of. It. I used to do, uh, as you know, when I was still working at the hospital, I used to bake up a storm. I make candy and cook. I used to get a lot of that. Microwave Talking fudge. about candy, I found a recipe. You know, Seas Candy, the chocolate Bordeaux. Oh, yeah, I saw oh that on Facebook. Oh, my God, I found that. a homemade to make your own. Yes, I saw <gasps> that. I love If they Bordeaux's work, too. if mm. it tastes good, I told my mom, That's we're in trouble. Work, but I also, I printed out the one on how to make your own homemade Mounds bars. Oh, yeah. I've and Alma Joy, because I love Mounds bars. I am totally, I've been since a kid, I've been uh-huh. addicted to those. Because it's the dark chocolate mm-hmm. and the coconutty. Yes. I love love that. Ernie doesn't care so much about the coconutty, but I David do. don't like coconut. And I have coconut in my freezer as we speak. So all I need is a can of the... the Sweet and condensed milk. Yeah, that. And I buy the fat-free of that stuff, too, because it's... I can't tell the difference. Right. I've opened... I have opened one... Side by side, I've opened the fat-free condensed milk and the regular... And mm-hmm. tasted them, and I cannot tell the difference. Well, that's good then. And you can, and I can't tell the difference in the product when it's right. made. 
you know, when I make fudge with it or whatever. Um, and so there's that many more calories I've saved. So right. I buy that. Do you know and that you can take the same price condensed milk and put it in boiling water to make it a caramel? Have you, you can, ever tasted it? You can. Mother used to do that a lot. It was one of the ways that they had of having sort of like a candy without having to spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. She did it a lot during the Depression. You open the can. Well, no, you don't open the can. What She used to open it later, come to think of it. But you, you have to simmer it. You can't boil it because if you do, the can will go kapui. Yeah. But uh, you could Google how to do it. Right. And and uh, it makes a, a caramel kind of sauce confection. Yeah. And it's really sweet and yummy. And it, it is good. If you have a sweet tooth, that's one way to, to take care of it. And um, then the mounds... All, then all you do, I think, is you make the little... We're sorry, listeners. Your guys' tummies are probably grumbling going to I'm the liquor sorry. store. <laughs> I'm not sorry. You make the little logs out of the coconut and the, the condensed milk and then and maybe a dash of salt. Probably a dash of salt. Probably. Should put a dash of salt in because a little salt makes sweet stuff taste sweeter. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, and then you, like, freeze the logs. Okay. And then just dunk them in melted chocolate, dark chocolate. Remember we were having mm-hmm. a problem with my Mickey Mouse? Oh, yeah. Um, if you put a little bit of Crisco yeah, that in helps. with your chocolate, that's uh, on the recipe for uh, those chocolate Bordeaux. Oh, yeah, okay. Put a little bit of Crisco in your chocolate, and it helps it make become more liquefied, and it helps it set up. Oh, there you go. Okay, for those of you that want to make candy. See, I never had that problem. I just melted them. and My I, chocolate chips would melt, but they wasn't, it wasn't liquefied enough for me to dunk. Um, the cookies in to make the making. I know, and they have a stick. I know because <clears throat> I saw what you were made a mess. With. It was not. It wasn't working out for you. She was trying to stick her her Oreos together with chocolate um, to make. You get the regular ears. size Oreos, then you get the miniature the bite ones. size Oreos, yeah. and to make the ears On a, for Mickey Mouse for cookies. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. So she was having trouble with that, and and she asked me, you know, what to do, and I'm like, hey. Sh- I am not a chocolatier. I don't know. So that's now. But Crisco now will help thin it out. And now, it'll set back now up. Now we know. Another thing you can do, if you ever get a chance to get a buy on macadamia nuts, mm-hmm. whole ones or pieces, uh, whole ones are better. Uh, and once in a while, Costco has them for cheap. Not real often anymore, but, you know, I mean, in a bag for cooking, not right. in the cans for right. snacking. And uh, unsalted. I roast them if they're not roasted because okay. that makes a nut have better flavor. Brings out the oils. Anyhow, and it makes them crispier, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, then what you do is you freeze them. Let me see if I can remember how to do this now because I got this recipe off the Internet. You freeze the nuts, and then and you have melted chocolate, mm-hmm. and you put the melted chocolate. And by melted chocolate, it can be like the candy, the, the stuff that they Baker sell. Squares. to the big squares that they sell to make candies with, or it can be um, chocolate, chips. chocolate chips. Uh, anyhow, you melt it, and then you have it in a pan, uh, a pool, a puddle of it, and, and then you take the um, the nuts and throw them in there and stir them around, and mm-hmm. then just, like, you can take them out. There's a way. I, I never really did it very well, but you can swirl them around in the pan while they're still frozen Mm -hmm. and and then it's not like having a cluster of chocolated nuts but individually covered chocolate chocolate nuts 
Uh, but you have to have them frozen to start with. The nuts have to be frozen to start So with. you're putting you a cold nut into the warm pan, chocolate. Right, and then you take them out of the pan and swirl them around, or take them out of the chocolate and put uh-huh. them in this big pan and swirl them around. And, and it, what that does is it just mashes the chocolate sort mm-hmm. of around the cold nut right. and, by swirling them that way. And then you have a chocolate-coated nut. Yum. Or you can just spoon them out by the spoonfuls and, and blob have them on paper and have clusters. Which is I rather do the clusters I, because that's... I wound up doing on account of, again, I'm basically lazy when it comes to cooking. If there's a fast, easy way to sort, to shortcut, I'll do it. And, uh, and I Why? Love, you're going to get a handful of chocolate-covered nuts and beans. Why, yeah. why, why not have a cluster? Exactly. Exactly. And I love chocolate-covered nuts. Peanuts, yes. almonds, and especially macadamias. Yes. Macadamias are naughty. Naughty. Yummy, yummy. But, oh my gosh, they're so good. They're That's what so we were just talking about, going good. to the gym. If it's good, you're not supposed to have it. I know, yeah. It's either fattening, Ill, or everything I love is either illegal, immoral, or fattening. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty well true. But, um, I'm, I'm, again, holiday time. Yeah, you want to have some, some cool things. And then the lady across the street from me is Rico for English. No, wait a minute. Black walnuts. Oh. Now, I thought, ooh, how neat, you know. Because and I went to this nut catalog we got one time, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's even called nuts.com. A little free pitch for you there, guys. Um, and they had all sorts of walnuts. They had red walnuts, which really? I also bought because I thought, wow, red. Yeah. I've never heard of a red walnut, and they are actually uh, the the. The you know how there's like a what they call the paper on the yes. nut you know the the papery coating on the nut meat mm-hmm. and it's red, actually red. Now does that change the taste of the walnut? They have a slightly different taste. Yeah, more bitter or sweeter no, or I, nuttier. I, I didn't go that far with it. I just just different. Okay. I don't remember analyzing it and what way was it different. But the black walnuts, also again the paper is kind of blacky. Okay, sorta. I did not like their taste. Hmm. And I found out it is an acquired taste. Because I said to her, because she was, I bought her. because Okay, this, okay, I have to sort of back up. This lady lives across the street from yes. me. And, and she's uh, about hmm, 10 years older than I am. And um, she's alone now. And uh, she's a real, real sweet lady. And she has a backyard full of pomegranate trees yes. and apricot trees and stuff like that. That so she doesn't like. That she doesn't like. And guess who does? And so <laughs> she's having, she had us over there to get some pomegranates last year. So I told my husband, she got to talking about black walnuts. We right. Were, you know, just, and the holidays were coming and she, da, 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 da. So anyhow, I bought her some black walnuts as sort of a thank you for the pomegranates, right. you know. And I took them over, and she was thrilled. Oh, I'm going to make a cake. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. How cute. And I had bought myself a pound or a package of them at the same time, because I thought, well, if they're that good. Right. I'm going to try them out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to miss. Well, they're nasty tasting. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like them at all. And I was telling her, and she said, yeah, they are kind of an acquired taste. They really do have a totally different taste. Uh, English walnuts, the ones that we most often see in the stores and stuff, uh, at least here in California, are, uh, by comparison, I would say, sort of a mild nut flavor. Not real walnutty, right. if you will. Um, and the black walnuts, I don't know. They just almost tasted medicinal to me, if, hmm. there's, if that makes any sense. Anyhow, I didn't care for them. And Ernie's all, 
Well, they're okay. Well, yeah, you know, all his taste buds are in his mouth. You know, he doesn't know. And, I mean, he knows, but he'll, he'll eat anything. Uh-huh. He is not discerning. That old TV commercial. He's Give not, it to Mikey. Mikey will eat anything. Yeah, that, That's David, too. He's totally a Mikey. And he's, and I say he's not discerning. The fact is he is, he is not picky. Right. I am picky. I admit to being a picky eater in that regard. So, but he said, well, I'll eat them. Well, guess what? That was last year. And they're still there. And they're still in the freezer, uneaten. Now, I admit, if I had put them out for him, he might have eaten them. But he hadn't been going around saying, hey, where's those walnuts? Right. Yeah. So I, I'm i going to take them over to Verma. Yeah. And, and oops, I said her name. Oh, well, I guess it's okay. <clears throat> how many how many people are going to know her and listen to this podcast? Not, Not many. Too many. So anyhow, I'm going to take them over to her. You didn't give her address or her last name. You're okay. No. And and um, I'm going to give them to her because I figured. She can get used out of them. Yeah, and they've been in the freezer for a There's, year. They're fine. Yep. So I'm going to let her have them. She'll be She'll be As thrilled. long as you keep your nuts in the freezer, right. they don't get rancid. Yeah, you got to do that. Otherwise, they get <laughs> the totally, oils. totally ugly and weird. The but anyhow, oils I'm going to take those over to her and because I'm going to be getting more pomegranates from her uh-huh. eventually. Right now, I've been lucky. The stores have been having them really cheap, and so I'm good with that. But pretty soon, I'm gonna be, yeah. they're running out in the stores, and so I'm going to have to go over to her place and get the ones that are cracked open that the birds uh-huh. haven't gotten and stuff. Um, mm. So anyway... <clears throat> that's becoming a tradition with me, too. Well, I'm in the pomegranates year-round, if I can get oh, yeah. my hands on them most of the time I can. So, but I don't know. Do you have, do you have, <clears throat> I don't know how to ask this. Do you have tradition compulsions? Is that the right way to say it? Meaning? Well, like, if Thanksgiving came and went and you and you didn't do a certain thing, would, you, would it ruin your Thanksgiving? Yeah. What What kinds of stuff? The food, because be? the foods that we eat on Thanksgiving, I've eaten since a child. And it's just basic. Like, if I would have went to your house for your traditional Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. I would come home and say, I want my Thanksgiving dinner. Anyway, yes. yeah, because everybody does do theirs a little yes. differently. You know, I we've talked about how we make stuffing differently. Yes. You do oysters, I don't. Yes. My brother did. Uh-huh. I, I don't do seafood in my stuffing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and... and I do put a lot of stuff in my stuffing, different we things. We put apples, onions, and oysters. See, now I don't, I don't celery. do apples and I don't do, um, I do onion. I do onion and celery, uh, water chestnuts. No. Uh, walnuts. No. Um, trying to think, cause a lot of times I just put in whatever I've got, but there are some things that it's, if it's not in there, I kind of miss them. What the hell else do I put? Oh, um, I learned, from my mother, uh, because I'm a big giblet fan, mm-hmm. okay, or giblets, if that's how you pronounce them or you're from, um, when I make the giblets for the gravy, mm-hmm. I save out the liver. I don't cook the liver in the same water as I cook the rest of the giblets, because I use that water <clears throat> as my stock or broth base for my gravy, okay, um, because it's flavored with the giblet meat. As they're cooking. And if you cook the liver in at the same time, it, because of liver, liver's natural tendency to be a little on the bitter side, right. it will make your broth taste bitter. Okay. And that will make your, everything you make with your broth taste bitter. Uh, cause I also use it in my stuffing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, I cook the liver separately 
well, then I've got this cooked liver. So I used to go ahead and chop it up and put it in with the giblets in the gravy. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know what? It'd be better in the stuffing. Mm -hmm. So I will take the cooked turkey liver and chop it up and I put it in the stuffing. Okay. So it's kind That's of the kind of same thing with my oysters. Mix, yeah. Some people put sausage, for example. I know a lot of Italians put Italian sausage in. Um, I was watching QVC last in. night. They had this turkey roll and he sliced it and already had the stuffing in the middle of it. They had oh, a, yeah, a yeah, cranberry yeah. walnut stuffing yeah. and there was a raisin sausage stuffing. Yeah, yeah. I don't do fruit in my stuffing, uh, because why? I don't know. I just don't try, I don't care for fruit in the stuffing. I do have my cranberries beside, mm -hmm. you know, cause like I told you today, I have like five different kinds right. of cranberries. I have to have the jelly kind. I have to have the whole berry kind. I have to have the homemade kind and I have to have the can kind. The, 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 the one with orange, you mm -hmm. know, where you grind it up and make it that way. And, 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 and I didn't tell you, but I put rum in my, uh, my fresh cranberry relish. Mm -hmm. I put, uh, spiced rum mm -hmm. and of course a little sugar. That's our one time in the year when we'll have real sugar and not sweetener. Right. I do make the, 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 when I just make the cooked cranberry sauce, I do make that with artificial sugar because uh -huh. it, uh, we can't tell the difference and it's better for us. Right. Again, because of uh, the diabetes factor that Ernie works with. Uh, but for the relish, because I'm the one that eats that more than he does, I go for the sugar. Right. And it's, you know, you're not talking that many grams of sugar anyhow. Because the orange helps to sweeten it, too. Right. You know, it's funny. When we started this show 20, how many episodes ago? 14, 15 episodes ago. So I said to the listener, I said, now don't expect to get recipes on how to make the best cupcakes and stuff like that. But we are going to be talking about recipes on uh, this show. And that's just the way it is. I'm sorry. If you don't want to hear about stuff like that, then this probably isn't the show for you. But um, what, other holidays. Kind of, what other kind, besides the food... Are there other uh, Thanksgiving traditions that you guys do? Are that like, do you say anything at, at dinner? No. You know, know what I'm thankful for. A lot of no. people do that. They get around yeah. the table and they tell everybody what they're thankful for. I don't, myself, I don't, don't do that because we pretty well tell each other what we're thankful for all year long. We do too. And so, you know, like, I'm glad I woke up today. <laughs> I'm glad you woke up today. Uh -huh. I'm glad you made it home today. Stuff like that, you know. Yeah. No, and we don't. There's nothing like that. I'm not from a religious household, so there's no grace or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. we don't have grace in our family, but my oldest son does. Okay. They're uh, more actively uh, involved associated with, with the church than we are. And, uh, and they would do it for their kids, mm -hmm. too, so they had that upbringing. Uh, which is fine, you know. I when they're here and we eat, they pray, and when we're here and they're not, we don't. Right. You know, it's like whatever. But um, so basically, the food is your traditional expression. Let's say. Of, yeah. Of we all grab our plates and we sit Everybody around and turkey. talk. Now, if you couldn't get a turkey for some reason, would your would your Thanksgiving be ruined, or would you be able to make a Thanksgiving meal without it and still survive no, it? No, because that's where my gravy comes turkey. from. I love my turkey yeah, gravy. My too. mama makes. Me too. I love. I love. We had. We do gallons. Of yeah. Turkey gravy. Gallons. Gallons of turkey gravy. It was funny because uh, one of the national chain restaurants had an ad in the paper a couple of weeks ago. Oh. 
they were having uh they were advertising their take home family thanksgiving meal yeah and they had you know the 12 or 14 pound turkey which is not that big no but, that's small you know uh and the mashed potatoes and the sweet potatoes and the gravy and i told ernie i said yeah i bet you there's about eight ounces of gravy uh-huh. in that too you know and it's like enough for one person that's how much gravy i spill in the pan uh-huh. <laughs> you know i mean really seriously i make a lot because i buy extra giblets to start with uh-huh. okay there's two stores in town that sell extra turkey giblets at holiday time okay and i usually at thanksgiving i buy enough for thanksgiving and then and extra for later because we don't necessarily have a turkey at christmas too right but i it's a chance to get extra giblets christmas dinner is depends on what we want and depends yeah. on our finances sometimes yes. i'll do prime rib if we have the extra money right yeah if we, we do don't that. have the extra money it's a ham right we don't do ham so much because we eat ham every day for breakfast almost mm-hmm. Well, not not every day, but frequently for right. breakfast. So I get kind of hammed out. But we do, um, we'll do, like you said, either a prime rib if you can afford it. Or I did a crown roast of pork one time just because I had always wanted to. You know, those are the ones that the pretty, yeah, the little foot things on uh-huh. and, and the stuffing in the middle. And I always think they're so cool looking. And mine came out okay. It didn't look exactly like what I thought, but, you know, it was the only first time I ever made it. Right. Plus, it was expensive as hell. I had uh-huh. to go and buy it, especially Well, the ones you and... see on the catalogs, that shit's all been Photoshopped. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. But, I mean, I bought this thing ready to stuff and bake, you know. And it was expensive. Yeah. But I have always wanted to do one. And Ernie said, yeah, so go get it, do it. I think now I could probably do my own if I, you know, had the right. But you have to actually, like, have this rack of pork chops, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you bend it backwards around in a circle and tie it up or And it's the way it they cut, like too, because then, they cut down to the bone and leave some of the bone sticking yeah, out. And then and then the pork chop cooks, and I don't know. Anyhow, it was worth it to have somebody, you know, do it and fork over the change and say, so when I cooked it, it didn't come out perfectly, but it was cute. And I had the little thingies to put on the bones <laughs> and everything. And it was kind of cute. Everybody went, that's nice, Mom. <laughs> but Where's the knife? Let me have we've some. We've done just about every different thing. We've done a goose. We've done duck. No, thank you. Uh, we've done, um, like I said, the, the prime rib. We've done steaks. We did the crown roast of pork. Um. I think we even did steak and lobster one year. Yum. You know, there's, only, there's only so many things you can do that are different, you know, for a really fancy, nice meal. Right. And then you're pretty well limited, you know, beyond that. But, but I would for, be happy just with a uh, kitchen table covered with a newspaper and tons of crab put on it. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. I'd See, be now, happy I'm with that. I'm a crab <laughs> fan. I do like crab, but... Uh, again, I'm picky. I like it the way they serve it in, in a lot of the Vegas buffets where mm-hmm. they cut it lengthwise in half. So you don't oh, have to fight I teach for your people. I teach I people how to open yeah, that I shit. I know how. It's not the <laughs> point. I don't like to have to fight that much for my dinner. So I like it sliced that way because I can just lift it out with a fork and I'm, and I'm good. But, um, <clears throat> I'm kind of like you are about Thanksgiving. It pretty well has to be, for me, a turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could do a chicken if I had to, but I'd really rather not because it's really and not if I have same. a lot of people coming over, I do a turkey and a ham. Yeah, yeah, that 
that could work. Or just a pork roast mm-hmm. would be good. We've done that, too. But, uh, no, my Thanksgiving dinner has been always the same. Besides, I I had my mom make me a, a cheese sauce for my broccoli one year. Mm-hmm. So now I have to have my cheese sauce for my broccoli. It's part of my tradition now. But our dinners are always been the same. I don't have any traditional veggie, uh, actually. I think sometimes I do corn, sometimes peas, uh, because mostly we're focused on the turkey and the stuffing and the potatoes right. and the gravy and the yams and and we do uh, yams. And rolls and and I'm the only one. But now here's the thing: <clears throat> we've been told for generations in this country, mm-hmm. anyhow, that tra- traditionally turkey is the the thing to have. But we know, because we've been educated to the fact that, in fact, the first Thanksgivings, as it were, right. were really not centered around turkey dinners, no. per se. Not like we think of turkey right. dinners. So those traditions have kind of come handed down to us by more immediate family members. Right. They're, they're certainly not 200 or 300-year-old no. traditions no. in this country. Uh, now, uh, and and I can't remember if they celebrate Thanksgiving in England or not. I mean, certainly, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, not for the same reasons, anyhow, that we celebrate Thanksgiving. I know Canada does. Canada, Canada has Canada their Thanksgiving, has Thanksgiving in but October, a different time of the year. It's in October. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Roberts Field Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger better, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, better, 
better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra $10, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com. Why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Mm. It's not because it's turkey holiday. Yeah, it is. No, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) I don't give a fuck what what our pilgrimage Minge thing is. I don't... What's the origin of the expression of a Thanksgiving get-together? What's the... Where did that come from? From Plymouth Rock and their thankfulness of the food? I don't know. Well, I'm just saying, if you're going to have Thanksgiving... As a celebration, maybe it'd be it's good for to the know food. why. Uh-uh, it's for the food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think anymore a lot of people agree with you. Yeah, it's for the food. We're thankful that we've got the food. But, in fact, that's not, I don't think that was the original, the uh, original Thanksgiving. class. Huh? I didn't pay attention in class. Huh? You didn't go to class, let alone pay attention in mm-hmm. class. Well... The school bus uh, took me where I needed to go, and I hopped the fence and took off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, well, we just won't even go there then. But, uh, there there are reasons, and if, if the listeners are curious, uh, and you have a computer, Google it and find out why do we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's For like, the turkey! You know, it's like, it's like these days, if you ask someone half your age... Mm-hmm. Why do you celebrate the 4th of July? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're going to get answers that have absolutely nothing to do with Independence Day. Right. You know, in their case, they're going to be doing for the food. It's you for know? the barbecue. It's, it's for the, the fireworks. fireworks. And the, the hoo-hoo-hoo and all that. So I think it's important if you are passing on a um, national tradition, mm-hmm. I think it's important to pass on everything about it not just the food part so and that's another reason that people do get around the table and say why they're thankful yeah but i don't need one day to do that because i do it like you said throughout the year yeah the 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 original thanksgiving had to do with as you say the pilgrims right the the people from england who first came to the settlers uh the settlers uh, we're thankful uh, that they survived the year. Right. Without without the help of the the Native Americans, they wouldn't have. Right. Uh, and so that's why we see the the traditional stories of the Indians and pilgrims together celebrating the holiday. 
because uh, they were supposedly su celebrating their association with one another right. and the fact that they had helped them survive and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, however much of that you want to pass on to your kids, it's not a bad idea to, you know, it helps them remember that uh, that we're all aliens to this country. Yes. And uh, except for uh, the first people, we're all aliens to this country. The first people were here first. That's why they're called the first people. Right. But um, other than that, the rest of us, you know, this is our adopted country, mm -hmm. and uh, and those those among you who are really really young and don't know that, you should keep that in mind that you know, y'all came from somewhere else to start with. So there you go. Okay, yes. that's my little my little history lesson for today. So anyhow, <clears throat> after Thanksgiving, well then, well there. The night of Thanksgiving, we have the sandwiches and all that. Right? Oh, yeah. Got to have the sandwiches, which is another reason you don't eat breakfast on Thanksgiving. I know, because you're eating because the rest of the day and night. All day and all night. And, wow. You go into that turkey coma. Isn't, you wake up from your nap and go for your second plate. There's not enough time to get all the food. Although, Ernie has to eat some breakfast. Yeah. And, unfortunately, that means some protein. My brother used to be that way too you know we'd say well we're just going to have some sweet rolls and coffee and he goes fine where's what protein source are you having right you know because he had to have some kind of protein otherwise he was hungry again in 10 minutes right. so usually i wind up i make some sort of sweet roll thing and then i make an egg for ernie mm -hmm. you know I, I fry it or i or i'll make some bacon or something to go along with the sweet roll so he feels like he's had He's some satisfied. kind of breakfast right you know he doesn't eat a lot but he has to have something right um and then you know because that's what the word breakfast means is to break the fast uh -huh. that you supposedly had all night long while you were sleeping although some people wake up in their sleep and go eat <clears throat> not too many no but some do some even don't wake up in their sleep they just go no. eat in their sleep <clears throat> so anyhow um then then there's the leftovers, and oh, yes. the leftovers can go on and on depending on how much gravy you made and mm -hmm. how big your turkey was, like forever, because you can have soup and turkey enchiladas, and turkey Yum. tetrazzini, and um, me and my mom like tacos. taking turkey Ooh, tacos. Had those. Oh, they're delicious! I got hooked <clears> on turkey tacos many, many moons ago because uh, there's a restaurant down in the San North San Diego County called Tony's Hakal. Okay. It's been there forever. And they make turkey tacos. Hmm. And at the Del Mar Fair mm -hmm. every year, they had a booth. Oh. And they sold turkey tacos there, which is where I got hooked on them. Yeah. And they are, oh, my goodness, really, really yummy. And uh, you just make them like you would regular tacos, except you use sliced turkey, turkey. instead. Not chopped up turkey and not ground turkey, but sliced roast okay. turkey. And you can... Either fry the taco shells and then put the turkey in, or you can fry the taco shells with the turkey in, depending on what, what your favorite way to do it is. I've done it both ways. I like it both ways. Right. Uh, and then all the rest of the regular taco trimmings. And they're really good. That's one of our favorite Yum. meals. Yeah. No kidding. <clears throat> so, and then you get a little bit of a brief respite, food-wise, and then you start baking Christmas cookies. Christmas cookies and Christmas cake. Candy. candy. No, not so much cake. You don't make cake. I make fudge and cookies and sugar cookies. And this year I'm going to try to make those Bordeaux. I might oh, even try yeah. to make it when my mom's here. 
I'm thinking I might try to make those uh, those mounds bars just because I like Yum. mounds bars so much. I have to try one. Yeah. Or two. I might not make them in logs. I might just make them in blobs, you know. Cause same difference. Who cares what shape they are. Oh, I'm going to come back out the same. Chocolate-covered uh, chocolate covered anything. Yum. Coconutty stuff. And I might make that squash cake that I made. Remember that cake I made last year that, that Jaden gobbled up? Oh, yeah, the loaf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that squash bread, mm-hmm. I should have said, and not really a cake. Yeah, it's kind of like a pumpkin bread, only it's made with squash. Right. And it's really good. And I do have some, actually, in the freezer left from last yeah. year's squash. And then I bought some more squash this year, so I may I may do that. I'm not making any promises, but I may do that. Because I don't bake so much. Like I said, I used to when I was working. Yeah. I used to make the cookies, and I used to make the Yeah, because you had stuff to hand them out. <laughs> take them to work, and I'd make some for Ernie to take to work, and then I took some to the place where I took some to the vet, uh-huh. their office, and I took some to the... I don't know if it would be um, appropriate if we took some stuff to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could take carrots and celery sticks, but mm, no. I think we should bring some goodies to the gym. I don't. I don't. I do. Not, I don't know those people that well. <laughs> Pam, um, she needs a couple extra pounds no, put on her butt. <laughs> no, I don't think they'd take that in a good sense of humor that it was intended. I think Brian would eat it. Well, Brian probably eat anything. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't make those things anymore because the reason I used to make so many and give so many away was because when, as you know, when you make a, a batch of cookies or a fudge or whatever, mm-hmm. you wind up with a shitload of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Again, with just the two of us, it's more of any of that kind of stuff than we. That's can why eat. I make. So I would make up bunches and bunches of these different fudges. Mm-hmm. I make, I make eight or ten different flavors of mm-hmm. fudge, and then I would put them all in cans. To assembly line. And then I would get the big trays out, and I would put some on each one, and I'd make ten or fifteen trays of goodies, you know, and give them away to all kinds of people. The mm-hmm place where we had the dog groomed and the vet and the doctor's office and the hairdressers and at work and on and on and on See, um, because it was fun to do and i enjoyed doing it and right. physically i was able to right i'm not so much it's anymore. just my mom and my stepdad so i send them goodies because for her to make everything mm-hmm. that we make at christmas time mm-hmm. she would have oh, cookies yeah. and candies out her nose well, that's, that's what i'm saying you know you can only eat and you can freeze the cookies yes don't i don't know if the fudge freezes all that well or not i've never, never tried it. I been at the house long enough to it try fudging well it. enough in a can it keeps well mm-hmm. enough for a while that you don't have to worry about it but still when when you're talking about people who eat one or two pieces of something like that a week yeah you know, had my fudge yeah and and it's rich and mine too mm-hmm. it's it's just not something we'd eat every no. day. It's so too rich. For and and I don't work anymore. Ernie mm-hmm. does, but he doesn't care about taking stuff to work for right. the, the rest of them. We don't have our dog anymore, so there's no vet, <laughs> there's no uh, groomer. Um, and my doctor, we got a different doctor now, and and he'd probably have a heart attack to draw him <laughs> some fudge and cookies. He'd go, "What are you doing with that?" So I don't do it anymore. Uh, and my kids. No, that they were never in the recipient line of those things anyhow. Right. Because they live far enough away that, you know, plus they, anyhow. So we don't go there. So I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And in a way, I miss it. 
because it sort of adds to the atmosphere right. of the holiday. Right. And, you know, it's, but I get, I get around that by, I watch a lot of the holiday movies, mm-hmm. you know, that are all like traditional for me to watch. Mm-hmm. I enjoy them. Ernie doesn't care a bit Christmas about them. Christmas story. But I watch them. Yeah, he likes Christmas we story. We watch that one every year. He likes Elf, but then uh, he, I like he watches that, that a lot anyway. It's on television all, all the time. All the time, yeah. Um, but I like, the the original Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant, David Niven, and Laura Loretta Young, great movie. Um, what else do I? Oh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yes. And some of these I have to watch at Thanksgiving time. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is uh-huh. one of them. And again, the original. Right. Miracle, the black and white yes. original with Edmund Gwynn and Margaret O'Brien. No, Natalie Wood. Sorry about that. Um, I have to watch that one, not the other recent uh-huh. ones. I don't like those. Um, and that one I have to watch like around Thanksgiving. And, uh, The Bishop's Wife uh-huh. sort of is a in between her. Yeah. Uh, and then some of the others I watch later on. And then a lot of them they have on TV, but I own most of those right. old films, you know, or CD, DVDs. And I, I like to watch those. And that sort of, Keep some of the traditions, you know, going for me. And I watch them when Ernie's not around because he doesn't care about watching them right. that much. He'll watch some of them. Like I said, he likes Christmas Story and he'll watch that with me. But for the most part, he doesn't care about watching them that much. Right. So I watch them when he's at work and there's nothing on TV and mm-hmm. so I'll watch. And that's, that works for me. I, you know. So for us, the Christmas holiday, and I don't do a lot of decorating anymore. Again, it's a lot of work. I know. I went in your garage. It's a lot of I'm going to go stiffen through work. your Christmas stuff. <laughs> it's a whole lot of work. And half of her garage is Christmas stuff. Well, not half, but a good quarter of it is, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it's like Ernie doesn't care that much about, like, he will put up the lights outside. Right. He puts up the lights every year. And every year I tell him, honey, leave the lights up. Next year, you won't have to put them up. But he goes, no, it's tacky. I won't do it. Okay, whatever. So he has to get, usually around Thanksgiving, he puts up the lights. And and then we have the the newest thing, newest addition to our Christmas decorations. Your easy tree. Our pull-up tree. It's so cool. You put it on the floor out of the package and you pop it up and it's all decorated. Reach in the middle and you pull it up and twist. So it's it's a whole bunch of rings. Yeah, and that stack one like another. Instant Christmas tree. It's lit and decorated <laughs> and everything. I look. Um, and but at the same time, I have boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of decorations that I no longer use. And it's sad because some of these are decorations my parents had before I was born. And mm. I have those separate in another place. Yeah, you were telling me that for I, the boys. I have a couple of special cute decorated boxes wooden boxes that i bought for that purpose and they have the really really old old pieces in because i don't want them to get lost and i want the kids to have them even if they don't want them little bastards i want them to have them anyway (laughs) uh take me little shit right these are big shit something to somebody you know which is sort of mean i guess in a way i was i was thinking about that too when we were talking about our traditions and how many of our traditions, especially around the holidays, do we celebrate just because 
we've always either done it that way or because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings by not doing it. You know, like, it's just for us, it's not a big deal. But if we had the whole family, mm -hmm. we would do things a little differently. No. Nope. You know, like when my parents were still alive, there were certain things they liked about the holidays. And so if we were together, we would try to do that because we knew they liked them, even though we didn't necessarily care for mm. them. But, um, like, I remember when my brother and his first wife... uh didn't come to the family Thanksgiving because they went to Baja on a camping trip. And I remember we thought how awful that was because they didn't have, they, they didn't come and be with us at Thanksgiving. They went off on a camping trip. It was so unusual. At the, this was way back. Okay. This was in the mm sixties. -hmm, and it was, it was such an unusual thing to have happen. Nowadays, it's not uncommon. People no, go on. These days, people go anywhere for Thanksgiving. Right. Or do anything. Go on camping trips, take and that, out the toilet holler. I think that's good. I think that's good. But at the time, I remember that, that mother and I particularly were kind of like, Ooh, thrown back. Who wants to go out on a camping trip for Thanksgiving? Right. You can't have this and you can't have, you know. And I think that was their point mm -hmm. was we don't do this and this and this just because we've always done it right. that. they were being not rebellious but they wanted to have they wanted to have the time off <clears throat> on their own together together and have their own meal their own way and right. they were real happy with that and they enjoyed themselves very much and like you said these days a lot of people do that sort mm -hmm. of thing and they're not they're not tied to the well we've always done it this way kind of thing right. that moms like to pull on kids a lot i tried never to do that to my children because mm -hmm. it was done to me a lot oh no my yeah. my holidays would be the same if my mom was here or not there's nothing right. that would change there's nothing that she expects that, no that mm -mm. You wouldn't, well that's good like i said i've had i had had to do that in the past oh and i'm sorry it's well no it's, it just makes know, it a little bit more frustrating it's though like, it's not like anybody ever said now you have to do it this way because i'll be disappointed if you right don't. But, but you just i felt that that was the case and that could have just been me too but like if i had my so. sisters over for thanksgiving and say one of their kids enjoy a special dish well i tell my sister just bring it yeah. I'm not going to make yeah. it separate. Yeah. Right. But you because can bring it. Because it's not something we normally have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And that and that's a, a good way to handle that aspect of it. And again, I didn't come from a big family. Mm -hmm. There was only my mom and dad, my brother and mm -hmm. me. You know, I had two half-brothers, but I didn't know it at the time. As you know, I didn't know I had two half-brothers till I was in my 30s. Right. Uh, so for uh, most of my life um it was just the four of us so when you don't have much of a family to start with it's you know i don't know whether it's a good or a bad thing you know mother my mom it was really hilarious when my mom and dad moved into the house we now live in yes okay back in 1985 uh there's a room off the main house it's was sort of an, a second Addition. thought add-on yeah and it was large. It's large. It's uh, about 18 by about 14 feet. 
and she decided she wanted that made into a dining room, a formal dining room, okay. because she always had it in her mind. She wanted to have a formal dining room where she could have the whole family come for dinner. Right. Well, okay, now backing up even further to the early 60s down in San Diego when they lived down in that area, she bought this table that extends out and seats um, 10 people. Okay. Four on a side. On both on each side, so that's eight, and one on Two each on the end. end. Now I just got through telling you how many people there are in my family. Right, four. Right. Okay. So even with our husbands and wives, mm-hmm. that added two more people. Right. I had two sons, mm-hmm. but they were grown and out of the house by the time mother bought this house. Okay. And my brothers son mm-hmm. and adopted stepchildren were also grown and out of the house so we were still only two four six people uh-huh. at a table for ten bless her heart she she just she wanted everybody she, there well she just you know she i think the movies influenced her a lot you know and i was thinking about that too how much of our traditions are we well, it's bullshit that everybody's in the kitchen talks. cooking and doing this and doing that and doing this. And hmm? I said it's bullshit the way the movies portray everybody in the kitchen doing their own little thing. Well, you and your mom get in the kitchen and do Me stuff. and my mom. Yeah. But if I have in-laws coming over, it's, well, you should have told me when it was done. Instead of picking up something and coming and help, oh, it's I don't. I'm not dinner. sure I understand what you're saying. Well, when they get invited over and dinner's not on the table, uh-huh. they get an attitude and say, well, how come you didn't call me when it was done? I could have waited to come over. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think that's a necessarily typical reaction. No. Uh, lots of families, when they get together, a lot of kitchens are big enough and their uh, family members are participatory enough that, yeah, they do get in the kitchen and they do a lot of stuff like in the movies. But I think a lot of our, uh, a lot of mother's traditions were sort of, uh, things she aspired to because she'd see it in the mo- mm-hmm. movies and they were, were, were romanticized enough. Right. And, and mom was kind of susceptible to that sort of thing, as am I. And, and so she, she had this vision in her head of a whole big family around the, the big table and passing dad, the gravy and passing the rolls. Carving the bird, you know, and the crystal and this and that and the other thing. And, uh, and bless her heart, it never really ever happened for her. We one time had a meal with, um, the kids were there. Some of the kids came, the older kids and stuff. So we actually did fill up the table like one time. And she had all her best everything Aww. out, you know, which is cool. Uh, but, you know, to do that now is just beyond reality to me. Uh, to, you know, she had these little coffee carafe things that my brother had bought her one time. They were like little um, sort of Art Deco shaped uh, little pots. Okay. Copper and... They had cork stoppers in them, and each one had a little stand that a candle sat in. Okay. And you filled each one up with coffee and put it on the little candle stand. To keep it warm. And lit the candle and kept the coffee warm. Each place setting had one of those. She had um, crystal 
dishes especially made for shrimp cocktails oh. okay because that was one of the menu items for thanksgiving and christmas dinners was always a nice shrimp cocktail mm-hmm. with big shrimp and all you know shit we spent more money on shrimp cocktails than we did on the rest <laughs> of the dinner sometimes but the the bowl and i still have these dishes by the way the bowls look kind of like a brandy snifter you know what those look no. like okay uh how can i say they're kind of like a fish bowl okay with a foot okay okay uh, and then, additionally, was a second bowl, glass bowl, that was sort of like an insert. Uh-huh. And what you did was you put crushed ice in the big bowl, and then you put the insert in with the shrimp cocktail in right. it. And the ice in the bigger bowl kept the shrimp, shrimp cocktail, cocktail cold. And the shrimps so, hung off the edges. Yeah. And looked just like a picture, and that was just what she wanted. And then, of course, her best china and her silverware, which wasn't... Well, yeah, actually, I think now that I think of it, it was sterling. No, no, mother never had sterling. It was silver plate, but it was as close as she could get. Um, and candle, and a flower arrangement, and of course a tablecloth. Jesus, yeah, it had to be a nice right. tablecloth too. You know, lace and linen and crap, and linen napkins, and you know the whole nine yards. I have little salt cellars because my dad collected a lot of crystal. Uh huh. Back in the day, they used to go to, uh, uh, what do you call them, thrift stores and places. Yeah. And Dad had a thing for crystal. He loved crystal. And so did Mother. And Dad collected what they called salt cellars. And they're little, little dishes, little round, uh-huh. sort of squatty, flat dishes. You put salt in them. Right. And then they had a little spoon that went with it. So instead of a salt shaker, you, you dip your own it. salt out of your own little salt cellar. Very uh, wasteful if you're, in, if, you're in the, <laughs> if you're into crystal you know what i'm talking about and then he also has which again i have all this because they left them to me um these uh things they look you know what a barbell is yes in the gym okay these things are made out of crystal they're about uh what is that nine inches eight or nine inches uh long and they have round blobby crystal ends and then the the middle okay it looks just like a barbell only made out of crystal uh, and that is a knife rest. Okay. Oh. So when you're there at the head of the table carving the turkey, da 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 da, da you rest the knife on oh. the knife rest. You know, very shishi. Uh huh. So anyhow, uh, mother got to use all these crystal things for her dinners, and she was thrilled that she got to use it. You know, it was a big, colossal lot of work. Right. Because most of that stuff you couldn't put in the dishwasher. Right. Had to wash it and dry it by hand and all. It was really a chore. And when I think back over all the stuff that she did for that sort of thing, it kind of amazes me that she went there. You know, I mean, I couldn't... But it was a fantasy she had in her head and she got to fulfill it, so... I guess, I guess. You know, for us, if I managed to get the whole table cleaned off, because we use half of our table as a magazine rack. Right. You know, uh, if I get all the whole table cleaned off and I put a tablecloth on. We don't even eat at the kitchen table. The kitchen table is the buffet, and everybody takes their plates, and we come in the living room and watch TV and talk. Oh, see, I can't do that. I watch have to, movies. I have to. <clears throat> I can do that with a piece of pizza or a sandwich, but I can't. I can't eat a dinner meal in my lap. No, I'm sorry. I have to have a table to put things on. Yeah, I'm too no. sloppy. <clears throat> but uh, I'll put out, like, I have my grandmother's favorite china, oh, okay. which is real, real old china. And the, dis- the dishes are smaller 
which we like because we use smaller plates right. anyhow because we found out a long time ago that the bigger plate the got, bigger the amount Fuji. of food so we use smaller plates anyhow and and just for fun every now and then i will use grandma's set just mm-hmm. because i was very close to my grandmother and i enjoy it and right. ernie's cool he puts up with it um and then i put the bird on the table and we have sometimes some flowers or maybe not and and then just the rest of the food and that's right. and for us that's enough we it's mostly the fact that i managed to actually cook a whole dinner <laughs> and get it on the table and i'm still not collapsed right you know because that's a lot of fucking work it anymore. is a lot of work you could you because i do the flash cook method for mm-hmm. the bird i stopped stuffing turkeys a long time ago i cook the stuffing separately I cook the bird unstuffed at a high temp, and it's cooked in two hours. Right. So that saves a hell of a lot of time that way. Um, but still, there's all the other stuff. And you know, anybody yeah. knows it's made, made a, a, a turkey dinner, you know. It's a you lot of work. fuck with the potatoes. you got to fuck with stuffing. And, you gotta, and as much of that as you can do in advance, it's still, you're talking about hours and hours and we hours We do our pies the day time. before. And we usually get up about 7 o'clock in the morning and start cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, see, now I don't do that. I and we have I it on the table to. about 1 o'clock. I used to. Uh, but I don't get up that early anymore, for one thing. But for another, like I said, I cook the the turkey in a couple of hours. So the rest of the, the meal, I either cook, prepared it ahead of time, so all I have to do is cook it, mm-hmm. which pretty much with the stuffing and all the rest of it, I can do that with. Pardon me. Or uh, I, I save out a, a last few things for last-minute cooking. But as much as I can cook way ahead of time, So have I you do. started cooking your Thanksgiving dinner yet? Not yet, but I am thinking about it. <laughs> We're almost thinking there. About, I'm definitely going to be working on the cranberries. Yeah. Because that, you know, Christ, I keep the cranberries for months afterwards. Yeah. I like cranberries and yogurt. Yum. We're so, almost done. Huh? We're almost done. Are we almost done? Yeah. Yeah, I figure so there's there's a lot of how much almost done are we? Well, we have to cut out that little bit because of Cody and Rusty yeah, barking. Right. So another minute or two, oh, I'd okay. say. Oh, okay. Well, then it's time to shut my face up. <laughs> um, but those are some of the traditions that you know that that we ha- and and a lot of them I don't I don't do because we've always done it that way. Mm-hmm. I do it because I like them. Right. Like that's me. The turkey I like. That's my Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, That's... I I like that. I like the stuff that I make mm-hmm. at Thanksgiving. Um, well, yeah, that's like if you come to my house, you're not going to be satisfied because we don't make the same dinners. Yeah. And even the rest of the year, once in a while, if I get a good buy on turkeys, I might get two mm-hmm. and then have another turkey dinner later on. Uh, I won't go to all that much trouble. I will right. make stuffing, potatoes, and gravy, but I won't do the yams and right. all of the other stuff that I do at Thanksgiving right. because it's too fucking much work. Right. I'm 73. I can't do it anymore, and right. I admit it. You know, that's why I say if we can, if I manage to put a Thanksgiving dinner on the table, we think we're doing good. Know. You know, shit, she's still upright, and she cooked Thanksgiving, too. You know, even my doctor said that. Last time I was in there to see him, he was all, oh, how are you doing? And I'm, I said, I'm doing good. Well, you're able to, to do this and that? Yeah. You know, are you still cooking meals? Or, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I'm only 73. What are you doing, you know? Because you're in better health than most 73-year-olds. I guess. I don't know. But anyhow, it is it is a chore. 
but uh, you know that's where the labor of love comes in. Yes, it's not necessarily a labor of love for my husband as much as it is a labor <laughs> of love for the turkey and the pumpkin pie. Uh-huh. I have to admit that. But um, so anybody out there who's struggling with traditions and whether or not you oughta, just because you always have, you don't have to. You don't do have what your to. heart tells you to do. And, and if you have somebody who's going to be brokenhearted, if you don't, well, then that'll be they your can, call. They can get That's over it. That's your call. If you want to, if you want to appease them, you can right ahead. Be a people pleaser all the time. You will make uh, yourself this sick. This is true. But then sometimes those who we're pleasing are not always going to be with us, and so sometimes we say to ourselves, if they, if it's going to make them happy. I can do it one more time and, and they can, you know, they can be happy that they had it because you never know when the time may come that you no. won't have them wishing that you right. would do things a certain way. So there's that to be considered too. So anyhow, thank you for joining us. I hope we didn't bore you too much with. No, I think everybody's and, tummy's grumbling and food talk and whatnot. I want to go home and cook turkey now. I, but I know. don't even have one yet. <laughs> me neither. I got to go get me a bird. Uh, I do have my stuffing mix, and I have everything, just about everything else that I need to make yeah, it all happen. No. I just have to bring it all together. So We still have to go shopping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I have to go bird shopping, but otherwise I'm pretty well, I'm pretty well good. Okay. So anyhow, I hope that you guys will have a nice Thanksgiving. This will be aired before Thanksgiving, I yes. think. Uh, but not a whole lot before. I guess the week before. Thanksgiving, or wait a minute, that's tomorrow. No, wait a minute. We have one more week before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, so this will be aired just before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, and Thanksgiving night, I don't know whether anybody will listen to us. We'll have to have some sort of interesting show for Thanksgiving night. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know. I think everybody's going to be asleep. Uh, I don't know. <sighs> or, they or no, they're going to listen to us while they're cooking. Maybe that. Maybe that. We hope. Anyhow, uh, if you like what you hear, let us know. Go to our website. Um, com forward slash jazomodcast and click on the um, individual uh, podcast that you're interested in. Click on the comment button and that will take you directly to the email page where you can email us your thoughts, good or bad. Uh, we'll read every email on air that we get and we'd love to hear from you. Yes. And hear how you like it or don't and like that. So, I hope you all have a nice uh, night, and we thank you for listening to Don't Get Us Started. Good night. Good night. See, I should have took my own advice. Now I'm hungry. I I haven't had anything for lunch yet, so maybe I I need to push pause here and go stuff my face for a minute. Nah, just kidding. Um, But yes, like that, that... Thanksgiving was, it was such a good meal. It was so good. Um, that's one thing that Lacey really brings to the table is she's a, a wonderful cook and she's fairly modest about it. She really doesn't talk how good of a cook she is, but she is a wonderful cook. And I know this because I've been with her for almost 20 years. All right, kids, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the next episode. Uh, let's see. That was a good way to start the show. We usually start with another, you know, because there's more shows than Don't Get Us Started. So Don't Get Us Started, we don't get that many shows. All right, let me get in here. Okay, and the next show is, whoops, I dropped it.
I have to do it again. Okay. This one is, oh, okay. When in Burbank number six. This was released New Year's Day of January 1st, 2013. And is, I know I'm going to slaughter this, folks, so I apologize. Adul Lang Sane, which is uh, a song. And, and under this one, well, you listen to it and you'll understand. Okay, it says, Sadie and Dave meet up on New Year's Day to reflect on the past 365 days and what the new year brings for both podcasters. Um, it's, you'll like it. I promise. It's, a, it's a good heartfelt episode. So go ahead, sit back and enjoy Winnie Burbank number six. Odd Lang Sing. Happy New Year and welcome to Win in Burbank. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody out there listening. So, with 2013 now in, do you have any New Year resolutions that uh, <laughs> you plan to break? All of them. <laughs> I don't make New Year's resolutions. I stopped doing that uh, a long time ago because it never seemed to pan out and it, i make new year's resolu- resolutions daily actually which you kind of have to do some of the ones that i make like i will try to eat more sensibly that's one of my new year's resolutions that i have to make not only daily but with each meal you know if you you've you've dieted you know what that's like anybody that's been on a diet knows that it's not a matter of just making up your mind one time and then boom you're on a diet you have to make up your mind every time you're faced with (laughs) the opportunity to eat uh it's like it's like trying trying to deal with any addiction you have to constantly uh curb your enthusiasm as they would say uh for whatever it is you're addicted to so um, anything that I think is important enough to make a resolution about is something that I probably am trying to make a resolution about every waking moment anyhow. So I don't make resolutions at the end of the year or the beginning of the year. One of the things for me is I, I've come to the conclusion that I, I need to lose weight. Um, though I am almost 6'2", I weigh 285 pounds. And this is the heaviest I've ever been. I know when you first met me, I was considerably... Lighter. Uh, granted, you know. Weren't we all? <laughs> I was going to say, granted, you know, I was in my 20s at the time, very <laughs> active, but um, my goal is to, if I can sit here with you next year, you know, 2014, and say, well, I'm down to 230, I'll be happy. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> I would like to be there too. Uh, there and less. Yes. I think that's an admirable goal and a realistic one. Um, and, you know, and. and being realistic, I, I realized that saying that I must stop smoking or stop drinking soda or caffeine products or monsters, that is not realistic because that is a full-on addiction. And well, I realized and that it, there's more that requires than just saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop. Yeah, there's, there's something that uh, one of my doctors somewhere along the line told me when I had... Uh, gone to him about weight loss and I was talking with him about it uh, and I at that time was smoking and this and this he said it, it, just just take one thing at a time don't try to lose weight and quit smoking at the same time because 
you might be presenting yourself with more of a challenge than you're capable of meeting. And it made a lot of sense, really. Because, you know, you um, you do take baby steps with these uh, commitments, we'll right. call them. And you kind of need a little bit of a crutch along the way. If you haven't got somebody to constantly be there and support you verbally and emotionally and all that other good stuff while you're doing it, you kind of have to do it yourself, then if you don't have something you can fall back on from time to time, you're just going to defeat your own purpose. At least that was kind of the message that he well, it makes complete sense. passed on to me. Yeah, I, I thought it made sense. One of the nice things is, and I, at first when we moved in here, uh, you know, the policy is no smoking inside, you know, the premises. So, oh, really? I didn't know that. <clears throat> so we go outside and, and you know, smoke. Yeah. yeah. And I realized that I smoke a lot less than what I used to. Well, just having to go outside to do it would probably... Kind of deter. Yeah. Especially when it's yeah. like 30, 32 mm-hmm. outside. It's supposed to snow Wednesday, they said. Is it? Yeah, well, you know how that is, though, especially up here. Because our weathermen, for those of you who do not know, the weathermen who predict for uh, this part of Southern California primarily predict for the Los Angeles Basin and the valleys and so on down there, uh, those of us up here in the high desert get a comment or two. Yeah, uh, if we're lucky. Yeah, and and then it's really not a direct weather report for us. Like he said, snow to 3,000 feet, but you and I both know that that doesn't mean here 3,000 feet. Right, that means on the west-facing slopes of the mountain range that separates us from the Los Angeles basin in most cases or, and, or, um, the five, uh, at the grapevine area, uh, they get it usually before we ever do. That's not to say we won't get it, but generally when they say, Oh, it's going to snow at 3000 feet. I have learned not to get real excited because it usually doesn't mean us. Well, after living in Nevada for that short time, I've kind of lost my enthusiasm for snow. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> uh, just a quick backstory, folks. I lived in Nevada for uh, between six and eight months. It was northern Nevada up towards the Idaho border. And when you sneezed, it snowed. And, and not just a little bit of snow, but we're talking footage. And that kind of turned me off quickly to snow. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually happy to be back in Southern California just for that reason. Yeah. Now I've lived up here off and on since 1989, and I can count on one hand one Me hand too. the actual time it's. Me too. Oh, you moved up here in '89. Yeah. Well, we actually we were out in your mode in '85. We moved over here to well over here being the Victorville area uh, in '89 because it was a little closer to where my parents lived which is where we live now is right. where my parents lived but yeah 89 ah. we we moved up here I didn't know uh, it was right after Rebecca's first birthday so it had to been March of 1989 oh, she's such a baby god and we we lived in Hesperia where <laughs> you live now yeah uh, we lived up on the Mesa oh yeah and we lived there until I graduated high school Hmm. You know something funny? We lived over on Lime and uh, E for a while in mm -hmm. a little duplex there. You know who else lived in that duplex after that? Who? Um, God, okay. 
Just a minute now. I'll have to think of his name. Oh, my God. Why did I bring that up when I can't remember his name? Scotty. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Scotty, Scotty was a LPN nurse that we worked with over right. at a hospital right. here locally. Yeah. And they lived there. Well, I don't know. He was just mentioning one day something about where he lived. And I said, we used to live over in that vicinity. You know, I talked. I said, where? And he said, them too, you know. And I said, well, it's a duplex. So I said, you know, which which side of the duplex did you live on? And they lived in the same duplex side that we did. Isn't that funny? That is. Small world. Anyhow, you were talking about dieting, and I don't know how in the hell we got off on the weather. And <laughs> It's okay. Hey. But uh, that's my goal. That's your resolution for the year? Is I want to drop 55 pounds. Cool. Um, I can feel it on my back and, you know, my, my yeah, issues too. with my knees. Yeah. And I, I need to just feel better. So I'm going to start going back to the gym, get myself healthy again, and... I'm also going to start school again. Ah, oh yeah. Uh, I've okay. decided there is a... Now, for people that don't know, I, I've been in the medical field for 16 years. I've been progressively moving my way from literally an orderly to uh, an EKG technician is where I'm at now. and I'm still in the progress of becoming a registered nurse. There is an accelerated program. Oh. That's... Is it a Zusa? No, I don't think it's a Zusa. Well, one of the universities up here mm-hmm. offers a AA, or not AA, but an AS mm-hmm. accelerated course in nursing. Oh yeah. And but you've only got three things left, haven't you? The physio and anatomy and micro, right? right. And the, yeah, the the prerequisites. But I'm talking the actual nursing program. So oh, instead oh, of it taking me, oh, okay. And so okay. instead of it taking me like two years, it might take me a year or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Um, and this is so simple, you know, the podcasting. Mm-hmm. Even while I'm in the midst of doing that, you know, I can easily do a podcast, you know, with, oh, with I, everybody. Sure. Um, in fact, I could actually. I usually wait to the very last minute to edit the podcast. Yeah. Just because the conversation's so fresh in my head, it's kind of hard to hear it because I do listen to the conversation over and over as mm-hmm. I'm editing it. So I usually wait to the very last minute to edit the, you know, the conversation and put it out on the internet. But if I were to say, do this one, record this one with you, get it, edit it, and put it aside and just have it ready to go, you know, things would move mm-hmm. a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's that's my two things. Oh, that's that's cool. That's two big things. Big, but. Uh, actually, uh, going back to school may help with your uh, goal for weight loss, too, because you'll be so busy you won't have time to eat. That's true. <laughs> Although, may have may not have time to eat properly, I'll put it that way. And that can be a bad thing, too. Uh, well, no, Lacey keeps me fed. Lacey has always kept Properly me fed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just one of the things... You know, if when I become a registered nurse, you know, financially it'll, it'll be so much more, you know, because it's it's almost triple what I'm making mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So I really don't have to worry about the financial pressures. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you know, I do technically own a business, but I still have you know bills that I have to pay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I know this, but you know, as far as yeah. the listeners, they, they yeah. may not. They might perceive me totally different. You know, I'm just a regular dude. 
You know, I worry about the bills (laughs) day by day. Yeah. So becoming a nurse, I think, would open up a a greater opportunity, not only for me financially, but for, um, you know, my kids. I've I've wanted to put Jaden in a um, private school for Mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. And... Now with Zoe, of course, you know, I, I want to put them both. And, and putting two kids in the private school, you're going to have to make some money. Yes, I know. My grandchildren are have been in uh, private schools, and uh, I don't know where their dad gets the money. <laughs> it's expensive. It is. It's expensive. Because I'm not terribly impressed with the public school. Um, Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> It's it's just um, could be that they don't teach your kids anything. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. You know the, the humble thing is, and I don't want to get off on a rant about public school systems, but hmm. you have to realize that okay, Jaden reads and spells, and, and academically he's a way above what he should be at grade level, and. No one has kind of figured it out where it came from. You know, you just don't wake up one day and say, okay, I can read. Or you can wake up one day and say, okay, I can spell. You have to be taught these things. Mm-hmm. And those things were taught at home. You know, mm-hmm. I know Lacey, mm-hmm. when I was really, really busy, you know, the latter part of 2000s, you know, like 2007 to mm-hmm. 2009, that mm-hmm. area where I was super busy, you know, she was really working hard with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I've taken over and I, I've been working really hard with them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that her and I together as a team do way better educating our kid than public school systems. No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Well, I think it's a good idea to, to have that as, as motive for uh, going back and finishing your your schooling so that you can become an RM because for one thing not only will you be making more money but you'll be making it in less time right and that's crucial as you know but people who are an RN already know that people who are not RNs uh, the 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 rule of thumb is they can work uh, three 12 hour shifts in a, in a week and make three t- yeah. <laughs> three times what somebody working five days eight hours makes yeah or more Um yeah, it's harder work and the pressure's there, but it's a different kind of pressure and it's a different kind of hard work and it's it's one that if you're if you're into that, it's uh, it's a second nature kind of thing and it's not a big deal. Well, we met when I was in ICU, so uh-huh. that kind of should say where I'm at. Right. You know, kind of similar pressures. Yeah. But not, you know, I didn't deal with any medications or anything. Right. But the pressure of being in ICU was the same. Right. And, you know, that was just home to me. Yeah. So I know that I can make that, you know, transition and adapt to what I need to be. I'm sure. I am sure you can. You know, and make $150,000 a year. I I can totally live with that. That would be sweet. Um, One of the things, and this is an exclusive here for Wynn and Burbank, is if this transition does happen, I start going to school. Um, I will continue to do the podcast with you and Rebecca and everybody else. Mm-hmm. The MythWorks will officially be shut down. Mm-hmm. No, no, nothing out of MythWorks. Okay. Um, just because, as of this point, it doesn't look like 
uh, the lady I've been talking to, she just, she's too on the fence for me as being the CEO. Mm -hmm. And it, it's neither, you know, shit or get off the pot. Not lukewarm. You know, mm -hmm. you just gotta, you gotta give me one way or another. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it looks like at this point, 2013, the beginning, I'm still gonna be CEO. Mm. And if I'm going to school and then go into nursing school, mm. realistically, it's not gonna happen. I can't run a business and I can't do, you know, the academics at the same time. No. So, mm -mm. I'm sorry, folks. But MythWorks would have to be temporarily shut down until I finish, I get my degree, and then, you know, in the future, then I would start back up. Mm -hmm. I think that's intelligent. I mean, you know, there's <clears throat> there's only so much a person can do. You can only spread yourself so thin. And then it starts taking a toll on your health and your relationships. And uh, you don't need that. No. And... Honestly, I, I see it as almost a sign, you know, with Terry leaving, you know, well, he's he's left now. Oh, Technically, okay. he's gone. Okay. Um, you know, if things have just kind of transitioned into a more almost non-existent where we're at right now, mm -hmm. you know, things have just disappeared. The world of myth is gone. Erotica is gone. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a sign to me to say, okay, instead of focusing on trying to rebuild just leave it lie. Mm -hmm. Focus on what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Like I said, get my degree, get the money that I need, mm -hmm. get my life situated financially, mm -hmm. and then we can pick back up. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we'll see what happens from there. Now, shall I still continue to work on on convict and some of the other things that we've been talking about, or is that going to not happen now? That will still happen. Um, producing okay. books, I can. And I'm not bragging. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I can produce a book in my sleep. Okay. Okay. You know, it's... Okay. Uh, Russo called me when I produced his his vampire book. Right. He called me like two weeks into to everything. And he's like, I need you to produce my book. And I'm like, okay, well, what's my time spent? He goes, two weeks. I actually had it ready in a week. So... So there you go. Well, it's going to take me... All of next year, anyhow, right? To get it together for convict, uh, you know, because I I've got it all written, but I have to get in there and dust it all off and organize it, and you know, right. tear it apart and put it back together again. Uh, it needs major surgery, <laughs> okay? So, um, and with or without, like we decided last time, uh, if I if I can get by with just saying uh, descriptively about my characters. characters in the book that they're you know they're this or they're that and not have to get into a whole lot of detail because that was really bogging me down. Uh, if I can if I can do that, then I can pick up and move on and uh, and and then get get it get the story going. Going, yeah, yeah. So uh, my plan is now. Uh, because I, like I said, I have like what, 14 pounds of prologue. My my plan is now is to finish off the character descriptions, and then I'm going to go in and just start with chapter one, and work it, and chapter two, and work it, and three, and like that. And it'll it'll I'll feel a lot better about doing it that way. It'll be a lot cleaner. I agree. In my 
thinking anyhow. And more head. organized too, I think. Yeah, because it, it's um, it. I, I know you've had the same experience. You get to sit down and start writing, and you know, forty-five pages later, later you go, Jesus, where you know, where did I go? I, it's kind of <laughs> like our conversations sometimes. Yes. You know, you just <laughs> ramble on, and I, oh, this is good shit. You know, I'm written all this <laughs> stuff. Oh, that's really great. Yeah, it has absolutely no nothing that pertains to the story at hand, but it's really good writing, you know. Uh, no. So I think that'll that'll be the best way for me to go about it. So I'm I'm looking forward to to do because I, I really want to do convict. I, I I think it has merit. I, you know. I I've been there since day one. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I've it's such a if Stephen King, and this is just my opinion, if St- Stephen King and ah, uh, what's the other guy's name? I just had a brain fart. Coots. Dean Coots, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, if some inappropriate way they they had a child, <laughs> and this child had the ability of both writers to produce a story in comic book form. <laughs> It would be the convict volumes. Oh, that's that's heady praise, heady praise. I'm not sure it deserves it, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, because you have that dark twist of Stephen King, you know, mm. in the story, but you have that bizarre, you know, element to it, and that's very Dean Koontz. Yeah, I like. I I really love Koontz, especially loves to to hang you up at, at the end of every chapter and just leave you dangling and then wander off somewhere else altogether. And you're like, but, 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 <laughs> wait a minute. I don't want to go there. I want to finish this part first. And then you read on anyhow, you know, and then you get all hung up on that one. And then he goes, Bink, and he drops you there and goes off somewhere. And I love that. Uh, and, and, and I like to do it. It's fun to do. It's like kind of fucking with your readers, but it's fun to do. Uh, you know, and the the trick, as you know, is to knit it all back together. Right. And and that's where that's what I was sort of meaning when I was saying, you know, you, you type off a bunch of stuff and it looks so good, and you go, oh, but wait a minute, wasn't I supposed to be going over here and over there, and you know, so. But yeah, I uh, I do love to write that way. I like to I like to I like to make people feel. Uh, Excited and thrilled at what they're reading, if I can. Reading the script, you know, uh, actually at this point I should say, reading the different versions of the script, um, it it pulls you in like a movie. That's the way I I foresee it. It's like you're watching a movie and you're really into it. To kind of give the listeners a basis of the convict volumes, it's a sci-fi horror. There's monsters, aliens, um, weird people, well, weird people. <laughs> there's actually one scene so far, this far in the, in the entire series that I've read, there's one scene where this guy is putting a, a body into a, uh, an ice box. And Sadie goes into detail talking about the snap, crackle, and pop of the bones as they're breaking this body down to stuff them in the, into the Cause, ice box. Because he's big and he doesn't fit. 
And and I know that's morbid, but that's actually my favorite part of the whole story <laughs> thus far. It was fun to write too, because well, and it was just you know from a basic realistic point of view that was you know I I could just that's the funny thing about writing for me uh, when I when I write something like that I'm there um, in a in a safe kind of way I'm not there scared I'm there. Um, Hearing it, feeling it, and seeing it, and, and and then when I write, I'm sort of writing what I heard and felt and saw, if that makes sense. Oh, completely. That's just the way I am. Is and it's fun. It's fun. It's great fun. That's what I was gonna say. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's a blast. It really is. Because and the and the creepier I can make it, sometimes. The, the creepier I do make it, you know, it's like you have free license to be creepy, you know, which I like. And I've been asked this many times over, and I don't know if you've been asked this, you know, what is it like to be a writer? And I've explained it, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones that I can watch a movie in my head mm-hmm. and make it go any direction mm-hmm. I want to. Yeah. That's what a writer is to yeah. me. Yeah. It is, and it's it's weird too because and Ernie's starting to pick up on it too. We'll be watching a movie, and we'll sit there, and before it happens, we'll say the dialogue. Oh, really? And and it, and he'll and I'll go. Can I write them? Or because you know, then they'll say it. You know, right, right. I'll go. Can I write them? Or can I write them? You know, because you you do get sort of a feel for um, what you think an author is going to have his people say. Um, if you watch, you watch. Just pick any movie, just pick a movie, and and listen to the the talk between you know two three people, and and just imagine that you're the one that's writing down what they're gonna. You can do it. You'll sit there and you'll go, okay. The next thing he's gonna say is so and so, and damned if it isn't. You know, it's just it's weird. Um, and we almost he does it too. Ernie does it too. We just almost never miss a mark. We almost never get it wrong. It's. I don't know why. It's I think just kind that's of fun. also why I don't watch much, uh, like whodunits or suspense thriller. Yeah, yeah. Is because I'll figure the fucking thing out beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Like fifteen minutes yeah. into it, and it's like, yeah. oh, the daughter did it. Yeah. Well, very free. Very. I was gonna say very seldom and frequently came out. Uh, Freudian slip. Very seldom it will happen. That I didn't see it coming. Okay, Sixth Sense, nobody saw it coming. Right. Okay, I admit that. Uh, and 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 even if I was gonna, I would. I. How can I put this? I wouldn't want to with that. Sometimes I don't want to know. I want to just let the movie do whatever it's going to do. I want to let the the director and the 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 author and all those people, the actors and everything, I want to let them do their thing. Right. And and see where it takes me. But if it's so blatantly obvious that I'm sitting there going, oh crap, I already know what's going to happen, then I'm like you. I don't necessarily want to watch it. On the other hand, I might want to watch it just for the fun of watching the, the actors do their thing, you know, right. if they're good. I like to watch them, you know, which is why we watch movies over and over again. You know, I watch uh, an inordinate amount of television, and it's almost all movies, and 95% of it is old movies, like 
as old as I am movies, okay? And and the reason that I I like to watch them is because I I like to uh, I like to watch the people make that all happen. Performance. Yeah, the actors, the director, the musicians, if they were good, you know, all of the people that put everything into that experience. Because for me, movies are very experiential. Is that a word? Okay, it is now. Yeah. Um, but I. That's why I watch a movie is is to go there. I want to take take me there. Okay, if you're good, you can take me there, even though I know where we're going. I know what's going to happen when we get there. All of that. It's okay. Take me there anyway. I want to go there. You know, and so it doesn't it doesn't bother me that I know that I can figure out. But if some if 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 a movie is purported to be, you know, oh, you're never going to figure this one out, you know, then that's a challenge right, right. away. You know? <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Let's just see how damn good you are. Am I not going to figure this out or not? And there, like I said, there have been a few that I totally didn't see it coming. Speaking of Sixth Sense, and I'm going to jump off and then we'll jump right back in. Yeah. Um, M. Night Shyamalan is the one who wrote yeah, Sixth yeah. Sense. Yeah. They are actually talking to him as a possible forerunner to do the Star Wars trilogies. Oh, yeah? And I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I'm not sure, on another uh, you know show. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll do the same thing for the listeners here. I'm going to save everybody 27 bucks because that's 9 bucks a movie, three movies, $27. Mm-hmm. Okay, if M. Night Shyamalan becomes the writer-director of Star Wars, this is what's going to happen. Luke and Leia are going to run across the galaxy, right? <laughs> then they're going to have a big battle. And then at the end, everybody lives happily ever after. But the catch is, then Darth Vader realizes he's dead the whole time. <laughs> that's his That's his uh, modus operandi, isn't yes. it? <laughs> his MO. So, so there you go. I just saved you There you go. Bucks. Now you don't have to go and see it. Yeah, M. Knight might not like you saying that. Might not appreciate that. Maybe he'll surprise you and do something different. Um, no, or maybe not. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> the last movie that I, I watched, if his, I, I didn't even watch the last Airbender. Um, oh, just because don't don't it, say Airbender. Oof. No, <laughs> didn't like it. I'm sorry. Neither did Ernie. Yeah, that was In fact, one. We didn't. We well, yeah, but I don't. Uh, how much of his real story was in that movie? You don't know. Right. You know, may, to give him all the benefit of the doubt that he may or may not deserve. Um, you know, and I know that when you sit down and you write something, what you see on the screen a year and a half or two years later it's totally different. is yeah. going to be different, um, which is kind of a shame. However, uh, that being said, didn't have for me it did and for Ernie it did not have any kind of a story that I was interested in it didn't have characters I cared about um, and we frankly didn't watch the whole thing and I, I think Ernie's comment was God I'm glad I didn't pay money to see that <laughs> so there you go for whatever that's worth and to all of you who love the airbender I'm sorry it sucked it did I'm well sorry. to me it did. Other people may have liked it. 
that's fine. Everybody, you know, that's what makes the world go round. If there weren't people out there who liked things I hated, then we'd all be in trouble. You know. Yeah, more power to you if you liked it. Good. Okay. I Spinning back around to yeah. old movies, um, would you say that storytelling, the acting, the cinematography of movies back in, say, like Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, it's it's a total different type of movie as of today. Because today mm-hmm. there's so many different elements and subplots and this and that, and special effects and mm-hmm. 3D. You know, it, it, it kind of takes away from the acting and the storytelling. Like, that's just my opinion. I agree. I agree. Uh, in fact, we just watched... Oh, boy, I'm really going to get in trouble here. Um, we just watched... Um, MIB3. Okay, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. I fell asleep. Now, I grant you, I'd had a long neck, uh, I forget what the heck. Was kind Grandma of, Sadie hitting the bottle again? Grandma Sadie was drinking the juice. <laughs> had a long neck, uh, I think it was about 4.5%. Um, I can't remember what brand it was, but it doesn't matter. I ate dinner with it, too, but, you know, Grandma's an easy drunk, okay? So, um, there was that. You know, plus, there is the fact that, given the opportunity and comfortable with my banky wrapped up around me and a nice and warm cozy on the couch, I'm out of there in a heartbeat. I can fall asleep at a drop of a hat, because I'd, I'd never sleep well anyhow. So, all that aside, I just fell asleep in the movie, so did Ernie. Um... Anyhow, so then he said, well, do you want to have it go? We rented Netflix, right? Uh-huh. And he said, do you want to send it back or do you want to watch it again? I said, nah, send it back. And, and the reason was this, and I'm a big MIB fan. I love Tommy Lee. I love Will. I'm their biggest supporter right. in anything they've ever done. But I, I think that the powers that be may have relied a little too heavily on the 3D thing and kind of didn't really let the story be the main attraction. Plus, I really didn't like the makeup job they did on Tommy Lee. Really, they just did It sucked. I mean, Tommy's a handsome man, I think. I really do. He's a very handsome man. I'm not the only one. My good friend, Teresa, uh-huh. she is hot for Tommy. <laughs> Sorry, Teresa, but you won't be listening to this anyhow, so it doesn't matter. Your sister might, though. Anyhow, um, they all know that about Teresa. She just She's always been hot for Tommy. She thinks he's cool. And I do, too. I think he has um, what, what if sometimes is referred to as rugged good looks. You know, they used to say that when a guy wasn't really handsome but attractive. Uh, but I just think he's nice to look at. I enjoy looking at his face. I didn't enjoy what they did to him in this movie. They made him look almost like a plastic uh, face mask so of himself. Makeup. Yeah. Well, I think they were they were going for a look f- with him. And I even said to Ernie, I said, "God, Tommy looks shitty in this movie." And he said, "Oh, it's the way they've made him up. It's you know, because I've seen him in other stuff since then, and he looks great." You know, so I didn't appreciate that. And it, it actually to the point where it made it difficult to watch. I, I really didn't enjoy watching it because of that. Um, so there you go. 
like I said, I watch a movie to take a trip. Right. Okay. Um, I just couldn't get on the wagon with this one. I just couldn't. So that's okay. Again, everybody to his own. You to know. each their own. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And I've said this before. I don't know if I actually ever said it on air, but to me, it doesn't matter if you have a gazillion dollar budget and you, you spend half of that on special effects and half of that on high named actors. If your story sucks, it's going to suck no matter what. The whole what. movie's going to yeah, suck. Yeah, it is. Back to your question uh, or your statement of older movies and their techniques of production being better than today. Not necessarily. Um, uh, there are a lot of movies out today. For example, we watched um, Lawless last night also. Lawless is cool. Lawless is uh, Shia LaBeouf. I think I say that correctly. <laughs> um, and a couple other people that we hadn't heard of. Uh, one guy, I think his name's Tom Hardy. Um and a couple of other people, and I apologize to those actors that I, A, don't remember their names, and B, don't remember them to start with. I remember them vividly in this portrayal, though. Uh, And it's about, um, it's actually based on a true story about a family of um, uh, white lightning Oh, I've seen trailers for that. Yeah, it's excellent. It is gripping. It takes you there. It keeps you there. You don't want to leave there when you're done. Um, you care about the characters. You care about what they're doing. Now, is that Shia LaBeouf or is that Tobey Maguire? No, no, no. It's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Positively. Okay. Positively. Um, and he's really good in it. He's really, really good in this. He's a good actor. He's a very good actor, and he's very good in it. And the guy who plays Forrest, his brother, and I believe his name is Tom Hardy, um, was excellent in it. And these guys, um, just to give you a little bit, I don't want to give any of it away, but these guys are um, a family, they're brothers, who make White Lightning This takes place in the 20s, okay, early 20s, during the Prohibition era. Um, And they make white lightning, and that's how they make their money, okay? These these boys, these men, are very tough men. And this movie does not shy away from showing their brutality in when they had to be brutal. They were not brutal men but they had the capability of defending themselves brutally and uh, protecting their loved ones brutally. And when I say brutally, these guys, these guys had punches that, I mean, one, one good hard punch in this, in this guy's gullet, and he was, that was it, huh? just about, you know. Yeah, yeah, he had some brass knuckles there, but um, the, the sound effects were magnificent. Um, the the makeup was good the the costumes were great the photography was stunning the locale where they filmed it and I don't know where that was but it had to be somewhere back east where there's tons of trees and beautiful you know and there was kudzu you know what kudzu is yes okay kudzu was everywhere you know so it's somewhere back east 
Uh, it, it was, it was, it was a great movie. It was a great movie. And, and one of the things really funny, they drove up, this kid started up his car and drove away. And I told Ernie, I said, you know, there's nothing in the world sounds like a Model T, but a Model T. I had a boyfriend once that had a Model T and it's, it has an iconic engine sound. If you've ever heard a Model T Ford, you never forget that sound. Really? It, yeah, it is distinctive. To say it's distinctive, it doesn't even give it credit. It is iconic. It is. Um, you just you have to listen to some one sometimes. Check it out. Yeah, it, it's it's. I can almost I can almost smell the the grease when I hear that sound. It's it's very really. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, they did a terrific job with this movie, and I really really loved it. And I was tired when I watched it too, but I it were, held my interest. I didn't fall asleep in that movie. So, and those were basically the same weekend. So that gives you kind of an idea of, and 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 this was in color. Lawless was in color, right? Where a lot of the older movies are black and white. Black and white. It could have it could have done probably just as well in black and white although the blood wouldn't have been quite as gory <laughs> there was a lot of blood um the black black and white is uh, sometimes the only way a movie should be filmed in my opinion i agree um and of course some of the older ones definitely fall into that category uh, not just because that's how they were done but because if you were to, well, okay, what's his face found out by colorizing uh, Turner, wasn't it? Yeah, Ted Turner. Ted Turner. That he got got a hold of an electronic pen. Somebody should have broken his arm <laughs> uh, because it does. It just, you know, it's it's like when at, like what we say in the hospital, just because we can doesn't mean we should. Right. Uh, it was kind of like that for me with him colorizing things. Like there is an, actually there is a colorized version. Of the 19, I think it's 30-something version of uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Maybe it's 1940. I don't know. Anyhow, there's. it was originally in black and white. My copy at home is in black and white. But on television, they were running a colorized version of the same movie. It should never... It doesn't, it doesn't work. Should never have done it. Never, never, never. Uh, just like they didn't need to remake it either. In my opinion, I think it's been remade at least once or twice since the original. Yeah, know? I think they remade it again in the nineties. Uh, well, they did it with a couple. They did it a couple of times. Anyhow, um, it's like it's like it, they had it right the first time. There wasn't any need to fix it. Right. It wasn't broke. It'll never be broke. It's it's again. Um, it's a wonderful life since we're in the. Uh, time frame, so to speak, of the holidays. That's another one. It was black and white. Never, ever should be done any other way. In my opinion, they did it perfectly. The way they did it. It doesn't need to be redone. It doesn't need to be fixed up, colorized, or anything else. It's I, fine like it is. I have a, a... I'm biased when it comes to black and white TV. You know, and I'll give you a little bit of my past. You know, as a little boy... Uh, growing up, I had this nine-inch TV, 
-hmm. It was turned out. It wasn't even remote control. <laughs> you know, it was black and white, turned out, rabbit ear TV. Mm -hmm. From a little boy all the way up to... I, I think we got rid of it. Finally, the, the tube finally went out, like, early 2000. Mm -hmm. So I had it for damn near 30 years. Mm -hmm. We'll just go with that. Um, and I remember because I lived with my grandmother... You know her her shows were on. Yeah. So that's what she her she stories. Watched. Yes, yes. <laughs> and she would watch them on her color TV. But for mm -hmm. me to watch my cartoons and my shows, I had to watch it on a little nine inch black and white TV. Right. Now, I did not. Well, I mean, when I went to my mom's house on the weekends, I, I you know I got to see color TV. But Monday through Friday for eleven years. You watched black I and white. I watched black and white. Yeah. And I don't know if it did something to my brain because <laughs> I can enjoy a black and white movie just as well as I can enjoy, you know, something in color. Mm -hmm. I mean, now yeah. with high definition, yeah. that's that's a little bit different because I I'm a, I love high definition. It oh, just, I do too. I, don't get me wrong. And there are plenty of current uh, movies that are... Uh, thrilling because they are high def, full color, great sound. You know, we got a Bose system at home, so right. you know, I mean, my couch rocks when when I crank that puppy up. Okay, uh, you know, for example, um, what's a Finding Nemo? Can you imagine that in black and white? No, no. Um, Wall-E, and I, I pick on animated. The Pixar's because, because they're so bright. They're so colorful and they're and, and appropriately so. Uh, but movies uh, with real people in them too, like Lawless, was great in color. Um, My Fair Lady is spectacular in color, in my opinion. Again, because of the costumes in this case, uh, because this the set decoration is is also very nice. As far as that goes, but I mean, it's not necessarily great uh, outdoor photography or anything like that. Right. But because of her costumes and the costumes of the other people in the movie, uh, a lot would be lost uh, to the black and white uh, genre. Which, interestingly, um, if you notice that the costumes of a lot of the people in the the uh, especially the film noir. Uh, genre. They're they're very. What's the word? Not. They're not elaborate. They're not um, extravagant. Real fussy and everything. They're, they're, they're uh, and and they lend themselves well to the interpretation of black and white photography, in my opinion. Again, right. um, and that's not to say that they didn't have dressier costumes for certain events they did but somehow um they they showed well in in black and white uh the courage these days to try to make a contemporary movie in black and white and pull it off i'm i'm uh and i actually I'm, have an answer for you i'm thinking of that one what was that one what was it last year uh what was that movie that was silent? That was Best Picture or something like that, too. Was it like the actors? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
And they had some black and white, and they had this and that. And that. But to me, that was sort of a artsy film. It, no, it was a it was a, a film buffet sort of thing. Mm. It was a little of this, it was a little of that. It, 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 for me, it didn't hold me. I I was really kind of disappointed in it. But that's okay. Uh, if if someone today were to try to make a movie like, let's say, the Maltese Falcon, as an example. Or you mentioned Casablanca, or um, mm, I don't know any one of a hundred, uh, any any Bogart movie, any uh, uh, any of the, of the 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 type that was so popular in the 30s and 40s and early 50s, very early 50s. If anybody was to try to do that today with today's actors. Uh, and the stories available today, and the scenery, the um, what do I want to say, the locale, right. the towns that exist today. I'm I don't know if that could get pulled off because our towns are different now too. Our cars are different. Our streets are different. Our buildings are different. Everything lends itself these days to uh, elaborate. Ness and and bright color and I'm I don't know whether I'm not, I don't know if you could make a movie today with what we have to work with today right in black and white and have it be really really great like so many of them were when they did make them um are you familiar with Kevin Smith? Do you know who he is? Clerks, the guy who wrote Clerks. I'm familiar with Clerks. I'm not familiar necessarily. Well, Kevin Smith, he back in the late mid late nineties, he came out with Clerks, mm-hmm. and he paid for it all himself. Mm-hmm. He put it on credit card, mm-hmm. and all he could afford was black and white film. Mm-hmm. So Clerks is in black and mm-hmm. white. Uh, some years back, like four or five years, I think now. Um, no. He came out with Clerks 2, which was in full color. Mm-hmm. Well, he's decided that he's going to retire, and he's going to make one more Clerks. Mm-hmm. But being true to to his original vision, because he said that he would never put Clerks in color, mm-hmm. because it just wouldn't work in color. Mm-hmm. He's decided that he's going to make Part 3 completely black and white. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to that. That'd be interesting to see. Uh, and I'd be willing to give it a, the benefit of, of every doubt to see that he can that he could pull. And if anybody can pull it off, he probably can. Uh, I um, I guess it's it's because these are you know you're talking about you grew up with a nine inch black and white. I grew up with well, first of all, as a young preteen, there was no television. Right. Okay. Just just to emphasize how really old I am. And then when it did come out, we had the little funny screens and the black and white and the, you know, hand dial and the whole nine yards. And then they came out with this thing that I wish I could remember what it was called, but I can't. But it was a plastic film that you stuck up on your television screen and it had layers of color on the film sort of like a rainbow uh-huh. and the bottom layers were the the earth tones and then the middle layers were the brighter 
pinks and oranges and like that, and then the top layers were blues and things like that. So, so they figured that, you know, at least part of the time you'd be looking at a picture that had brown dirt and orange people and blue sky, you know, and so, you know, it would almost like be like color because that somewhere along the line they had gotten the idea that with television anyhow, black and white was just the beginning. Right. You know, and in, and in the beginning of television, everything was just the beginning. I mean, stories and actors and plots and activities and, uh, I mean, when when we first had television, we didn't have commercials. We uh, and we didn't have uh, round-the-clock television. You turned on the television, you got a a test pattern. If you've ever seen one of oh, those yeah. test patterns, you know, with the Indian, Indian in the, Indian middle, in the middle and <laughs> the funny little lines and numbers and whatnot, and and uh, uh, some and and it didn't even have a musical accompaniment. It was just there, you know. Uh, and it used to come on real funny. It would start in the middle and then go drink out under the screen in sort of an expansive. Uh, uh, it's when the tubes that they had in the television sets were warming up, you uh-huh. know, and it. it um, and then they, they uh, comedies were big. Uh, you know, the Texaco Hour was a big thing, and and uh, they used to have comedians be on television and things like that. And those kinds of uh, shows lent themselves, as they do today, better to color than to black and white. So for a long, long time, they were thinking color would be cool, but they didn't know how to do it. Right. So they came out with these things, you know, and you bought them, and they were not cheap either. They And they were some kind of plastic <laughs> film, and you peeled it off the paper it came on, and you slapped it up on your screen, and then you pretended you had color television. You know? <laughs> and it, they really sucked. I mean, they, they, were, they were not effective at all, in a good way. Um, but that's, you know, what we did for a while. Uh, and that was... I say we. We didn't have a television set when I when television first came out. Oh, you want to hear something really eerie? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Talk about digress. <clears throat> I was talking to my mom one day when I was a kid, and I said something about my aunt's television set. And she said, "What?" And I said, "You know, in in Annie Reese's house." Uh, and you go in the front door, and on the left-hand side, there's this wall, and and then you go into the living room from there. And I said, the TV sits right there. And she said, your aunt, Laurie, does not have a television set. And I go, yeah, she, you know, I told her where it was and everything. Well, at the time, television had been invented, but in-home televisions were very rare, and usually only owned by the very well-to-do. Right. And if there was anything my aunt wasn't, it was well-to-do. It was probably eight or nine years later that my aunt got a television and she put it on that wall. Really? Yeah. She never had a television there. Never. Until she, you know, Several years later, that is eerie. Yeah, it is. You want to hear something else weird? Yeah. Weird that's eerie like that. When I was married to my first husband, we were trying to figure out what to get to his dad for Christmas one year. Uh huh. And I said, I have the perfect 
present for him. I said, let's get him one of those cans of shaving cream that heats up the shaving cream. Because he liked to, you know, razor. He right. didn't like electric razors. He liked the old-fashioned, you know, really got to wash my beard, you know, crap. Um, and I said, let's get him one of those. And we looked all over in the stores, and we couldn't find it anywhere. Nobody knew what we were talking about because they hadn't been invented. Really? Yeah. They came out with them like three or four years after that. <laughs> True story. True story. I have no idea how or why, but I, I, I mean, it, it was so real to me that we went looking for it in the stores, you know, and people go, no, I haven't heard of that. And I go, yeah, yeah, you shake the can, and the shaking, the shaking makes the cream hot, and when it comes out, it's hot, you know, and the guy just looked at me like I just got off of a spaceship from Mars, you know, and he goes, no, I haven't heard of that. And we went to other stores. We went all over town looking for these things. Nobody had them. For about three or four years. Then they had them. Should have patented it. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Anyhow, back to back to where we were before we got off on on weird stories. So television, color television was oh, that was not common in the house until I was 24, 25 years old. Oh, okay. That I recall. Most most of us had black and whites. A lot of people had televisions by then, but not so many had colors. colors. Now, I could be, maybe just nobody I knew had color, okay? But um, they weren't that that common, you know. So, to me today, when I look at television and I look at a black and white movie on television or a black and white show on television. Yeah, there's a few like there's some of those old Pete Smith specials that they run on Turner uh classic uh station every now and then and I wish some of those were in color because a lot of them are travelogue type things right. and they'd be entertaining more so in color. Um couple of the old, old musicals would have been better in color. Musicals, tend, I think, tend to lend themselves better to color than uh, other genres. But uh, for the most part, when I see a black and white, I, I'm not put off by that at all. I'm, I'm totally, like you, totally into it um, for, for what it has to offer. Modern black and white not so much. Haven't seen many of them. Don't think. No. I don't think. I don't know whether. And, and and they're going the other way anyhow. Nobody wants to revert. You know, everybody wants to go to the next thing. Right. You know, let's do 3D. Let's do. You know, I don't know what else is coming in in the field of movies. You know, Cody, be a good boy and sit down. Cody, David's dog is is. Trying to insinuate himself onto our <laughs> podcast here, so I don't know whether whether they could pull that off or not. You know, to be honest, and I'm not sure they need to. They, you know, there's uh, doesn't make it doesn't make a movie better um, in terms of the story or anything. Well, that's not true. It does, but not today's movies and today's stories right. aren't necessarily going to be made better by using the black and black white, white film technique. Plus, how many photographers, cinematographers are 
really qualified to do that. I was going to say, to, to do even that. know how to film yeah, correctly. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm sure they've studied the, the craft, uh, but do they have the equipment and the, you know, everything. There's, it's more than just not having color film. Right. To, to filming a black and white movie. There's so much more to it than that. So I'm not sure that they have what it would take to be able to pull that off, aside from the skill. Well, I know this because of body back. And I know we got to wrap this up here in a minute. Yeah. Um, when I was looking into doing body back a few years ago, I the original concept was to do it in black and white. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact they no longer make black and white films. Oh, well, see, there you go. So it, it would have to be digitized. It would, yeah, they'd have to undo the color. Ooh, right. That probably come out really bad, too looking i mean you know because the look for anybody that that knows and loves black and white old black and white movies you know the look you know the feel that you get from it and i'll put it to you can you imagine uh them doing a, a film in color and then un basically uncolorizing it uh, to black and white and and producing anything desirable. I can't. I, no, I, 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 don't, I really don't. I don't. I don't see how that could. You know, they could start making black and white film again. But again, to what end? You know, let's face it. The the population in the movie theater. Ninety nine percent under the age of twenty. Oh yes. Okay. Kids are there. The kids have got the money. The kids have got the interest. If they're going to go to a movie. Okay, a lot of them don't even bother anymore because they've got their uh, other electronic devices. Screaming. They don't mind yeah. waiting, you know. Plus, they can go to concerts and whatnot. That, you know, movies uh, sadly may not work for for a lot of kids these days. But they're the ones that have got the money and they're out spending it. So that's the the demographic that a lot of uh, movie makers are are aiming. Towards and if you doubt me, just take a look at some of the movies that are out there that are popular. You know everything from the uh, what's that vampire new vampire series called? Green oh, Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I really want to get all those together and watch them one after the other from beginning to end because I haven't seen them in, at all. And I um, imagine they might be fairly good, but. Um, I don't want to just see like three or four. I want to see one and then two and then right. three, you know, so I know we, who's who and what's going on. Lacey actually, well, no, she doesn't have one. Um, we haven't got the the last one that just came out, mm. you know, because it just came out yeah. last month. So, um, no, it came out a month prior to that. It came out in November. So it's been two months yeah. uh, since it came out. So it'll yeah. be out probably here soon. But there, there's, there are are most of the movies that are out today, I'd say a good, at least 50% of them, are geared to the under-20 market. I would agree with that. And um, they're not going to want black and white. They're not going to want silent. They're not they going to want... They don't, want, the they don't want any experience or experimental... Uh, Artsy-fartsy type yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. They just want, you know... Sex, drugs, rock and roll, speedy cars, lots of blood, a little sex here, a little sex there, and a little more sex there. Lots of lights. Lots of lights, a lot of hoopla. And uh, and this is not to sell kids short, okay? Yes, there are a lot of young people who have more interest than that, I admit. Uh, 
but but as a whole, as a demographic, that's kind of what attracts them. The louder, the better. Right. And if they can get in there and sing along with it, the even better. I we stopped going to concerts. The last concert we actually went to was um, Lionel Richie. Long time ago. I admit that it was in the eighty nine or eighty eight, eighty nine. 90, around in there, we went to a Lionel Richie concert down the hill, and that was the last concert we went to because I paid what was considered good money for a seat to listen to him sing. Not everybody else. Not everybody else in the goddamn house. And that really, I understand the motivation, I get it, but I don't want to be, I I don't want to hear... Joe Blow sing. I want to hear the the guy who's good at it sing. If right. I want to hear Joe the Blow sing, I could stay home and listen to my husband sing. Okay, uh, so it's like when we went to uh, Vegas the last time. I told you we went and saw Rita Rudner. Uh huh. And the guy behind us, we were sitting front row, almost center. The guy behind us sang and hummed through the whole thing. I mean. And and then, well, not through the whole thing, through the while we were waiting for her to come out, he's sitting there humming because there was music going on in the in the theater, right? And he's humming along to the music and singing along like I want to hear him. <laughs> I don't fucking want to hear you sing, dude. You can't, okay? And then through the whole thing, she was very funny, but through the whole thing, he had to laugh first and loudest. Mm. You know, I don't like that kind of personality in the first. Kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, with kids, it's they all want to sing the song. They all imagine themselves on the stage with, with Justin or whomever uh, doing the song with them. And, you know, it's, it's, it, that's okay. That's fine for them. Like I said, not for me. I want to I wanna go hear Justin. I don't want to hear... Susie and Muffy and <laughs> Billy and Billy Joe. and everybody else doing the same thing, and you can't escape it anywhere in the in the in um what do they call it? They don't call them arenas and stuff. Auditorium. No, they call them venue. Anywhere venue. in the venue, you can't escape it. Everybody there came to sing along with Mitch. You remember Sing Along with Mitch? No, you're too no, young for that one. I was going to say no, not that one. Okay, Mitch Miller had, uh, this is back in the hoop dandy days, okay, had a, 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 a television show, he had an orchestra, he had a choir, he had singers, and they and bouncing ball, the bouncing ball, you know, and the, the lyrics would come across the oh, that bottom of the thing, and, and he, there was a bouncing ball, well, it didn't start with him, but he perpetuated it and the and and you could sing along with Mitch that was the name of the show and he he would play popular songs of the day uh-huh. and everybody there on the show would sing and then you could sing at home with him and if you didn't know the words they were there on the screen for you to sing along with them and the ball bounced so you knew where to emphasize and all that crap that was fine for what it was <laughs> but anymore when you go to any kind of a concert, you're singing along with whomever it is. And it's not my cup of tea. I'm sorry. But that's the way it is. I don't blame you at all. All right, folks. Well, again, happy 2013. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. And remember, 
what happens in Burbank ends up on a podcast. Good night, everybody. Good night. Oh, we barely knew. We we had, well, we really didn't have no idea what the New Year's would bring. Um, you know, a couple of months after that, I'd start writing the Yotnam script and things just... It, 2013 really was a very, very good year for not only me and my family and Sadie and her family, but uh, I think all together, I think 2013 came out to be a very good year uh, for most of our Jayzo Modcasters. Um, you know, in fact, it just, it was just a good year. I mean, for me, 2012 was kind of a rough year and 2013 was a good year. And, and though we're three, three months into 2014, I'm, I'm still hoping that, you know, uh, 2014 will be a better year than 2013. And 2014 has so far been a very nice year. Okay. Uh, let me stop being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, hopeful and let's just get right back into things because i know you're here to listen to these podcasts uh from back in the day so i've got the cauldron rumbling and we're gonna pick our last one and then i'm gonna send you on your merry way home okay let's see the final podcast we're gonna listen to this week Speaking of merry and happy, is Sheer Darkness number 15. It was released two days after my birthday, May 10th, 2013. And it reads, Sheer Darkness number 15, Terry Does to Larry. Uh, again, released on May 10th, 2013, as Dave returns to the show this week. As they talk about a small town in California named Tulare, where Terry saw his lifelong dream come true as he opened his own used bookstore. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, that's, that's a very good episode. I'm not even going to chase it, folks. Um, you're going to enjoy this from the beginning to end. So enjoy Sheer Darkness, number 15, Terry Does Tulare. And I'll see you when we're all finished. Greetings, everyone. I am Terry D. Shearer. And I am David K. Montoya. And I bid you welcome to Shearer Darkness. Well, Terry, let me start off first by apologizing uh, for not being able to make it last week. Uh, just, you know, everything is kind of coming to a head that I'm working on. And with trying to get everything finalized with the 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 GISG anthology and plus with the hospital and whatnot. Um, I just was not able to make it in. So I apologize for that. So what do you, what do you got for this week? How are you feeling? Let's, let's start with that. How are you feeling this week? Uh, I don't feel too well. Had a bad few days, uh, but I don't feel terrible. So, you know, that's pretty much all I can ask for at this point in time. Well, I guess that's good. I mean, at least you can say that, you know, you're not as bad as you were. So that's that's something to be happy about. Um, if you don't got anything to talk about, I actually have something. Um, I, I was thinking about this the other day. And what the listeners may not know is that, well, they know, obviously, that you're you're a big book collector and you love to read and you love literature. 
But what they may not know is that some time ago, you actually used to own your own used bookstore. And though we've had a little bit of conversation about it, we really haven't plunged into it you know, wholeheartedly and, and really dug into it. So why don't you tell us a little something about, like, well, how you came about uh, owning the bookstore? Yes, well... I always wanted a bookstore, you know, I've always loved bookstores, always loved books, and I had a fairly large library, uh, even then, I'm talking like 1991 at this point, so that's what, a little over, you know, 20 years ago seems longer than that, but anyway, in 1991, I left Orange County, California, and moved to Central Valley, a little town called Tulare, mainly because my, my mother and stepfather had uh, moved up there a few years before me, and she bought, or they bought, a Victorian home there in Tulare. Uh, it was built in 1896, 97. So, uh, actually, it might have been older than that, because I think it was over 100 years old when I moved up there, so it must have been 1888 or something. Anyway, the entire house was built out of redwood. Uh, Two-story home on like a quarter of an acre or something. Uh, really nice place but when they got it it was uh, a bit run down and they wanted to restore the home to its original splendor and open up bed and breakfast so I guess they had had the house two or three years when I moved up there and uh, I couldn't afford to live in Orange County anymore so I, I got a, a little two-bedroom house up there uh, was renting and I uh, was going to help them restore the house and they were gonna pay me to do it so you know I had a job and a home and it was not a bad deal um, and I did a lot of work there in the house. I was up to Larry about five years. But uh, in 1992, I guess, uh, my current wife and I were, were married. And we, you know, we celebrated our 20 year anniversary last year. Oh, wow. Congratulations on that. I didn't know that. She was from Alabama, and uh, uh, for some reason, somehow or other, she had inherited uh, some woodland there in Alabama that she had had for you know, years and years and years. And people had been wanting to buy this section of woodland for quite a while, and, you know... I don't know what they were going to do with it. Develop it somehow or other. Chop down all the trees and put up a shopping center. Fuck, I don't 
But anyway, she had been putting off selling the land, uh, and she told me that if, if she knew about my bookstore dream, and she told me that if I wanted her to do this, she would sell both the land and we could use the money to open a bookstore. And, of course, I was excited about that. Uh, but I didn't want her to um, necessarily sell land just so I could open a bookstore. But she did, and uh, I was very grateful and thankful for that. So she sold the, the land and we got the money. And I was able to rent a small, just thousand foot storefront there, uh, downtown Tulare on the main street, which was about, oh God, two blocks long, maybe two and a half blocks long. Um, but it was the main street and they didn't have, uh, I mean, Tulare was a small town. It was like a railroad stop in the 1800s, late 1800s, and in fact, the house that my uh, mother bought uh, was built by this railroad guy, Tycoon, something or other, um, and he built the house because they were building a uh, depot there in Tulare, and he wanted to be near the, the depot, and in fact, the tracks were only about a block from the house there uh, and it was uh, you know the train did stop there it was a big deal for about 20 or 30 years and then uh, I don't know what happened but it stopped stopping in Tulare it just kept going on to the next big town which was Visalia so uh, uh, the, ha the house passed through a few few separate owners over the next hundred years or so and ended up in my mom's hands. Um, anyway, Larry was a, a small, very rural uh, town. They had cotton fields all around it. They grew nuts, pecans, almonds, um, huge orchards of not trees. Um, so anyway, it was a small town. Um, at the time, there was no bookstore. Well, yeah, there was no bookstore in town, and, and I opened up a used bookstore. Um, and it was very small, and it was all I needed, really. I, uh, aside from my own collection of books and, and sorted items that I was going to sell. The uh, There was a store across the street from my bookstore. And at one time, um, I guess they had a bookstore downstairs, but they hadn't, they hadn't been selling books for years. So they offered me, the owner offered me the entire collection of books that he had down there. So, I went over there and uh, 
went down into the basement and there were thousands of books. I had to go through the entire lot and, you know, make a list of the titles and, and what I thought they were worth and yada, 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 which took, you know, over a week or more. And I made him an offer and, you know, we bartered back and forth for a while. And anyway, I ended up buying all the books. So I had to uh, get all the books up out of his basement and across the street into my store. Um, anyway, we opened up and it was, it was probably the coolest thing I've ever done, you know, uh, having that bookstore and it was just a, a real great thing. Um, aside from books, I, I had, uh, greeting cards and incense and, you know, incense burners and candles and uh, just all kinds of uh, well not new age kind of shit but uh, so what did you name the store the store was called wizard books and so it kind of had a uh, medieval flair fantasy flair kind of thing to it and uh, you know I put up uh, pictures by uh, Balls, I forgot what uh, uh, Vallejo and uh, uh, God, I can't believe I can't remember those names. Anyway, had up a bunch of art posters and shit around and uh, uh, old pictures that were framed. Anyway, it was cool. It was, you know, absolutely the most fun I've ever had was just hanging out in that bookstore and pricing books and, you know, selling books and uh, buying books and what's weird is, well not weird, but uh, you know, when I was a kid, I of course had lots of books, but <clears throat> there were times when I, I needed, you know, cash for, you know, shit like everyone does. And so anyway, I, at one point I had to sell a bunch of my science fiction books that I had. And uh, it really pissed me off to have to sell them to, in the, in, to begin with. And it pissed me off even more at how little, how little money I got for them. But that's the way it works. Anyway, during the time that I had that bookstore, um, every single book that I sold uh, that one time came back through my hands and I was able to pick them all back up again and, and put them back in my collection. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you remember what kind of books they were? There was, I mean, you know, I was reading a lot even in elementary school. And uh, one book I remember reading was called Plutonia. And it was written by this Russian guy and it was kind of like a center of the earth kind of story and I, I checked it out of the library at school and read that and I remembered that book and that book came through the store and I snatched it up too and pretty much every single science fiction and fantasy book I remember reading as a kid didn't have showed up in that store eventually 
that I was able to add to my own collection. Uh, oh God, not to mention just, you know, all the other amazing books. At one time, my my mother was engaged to this this entrepreneur gentleman, and uh, at one point he had a bookstore, and he eventually sold the store. And what books he didn't sell in the store or with the store, he brought home. Well, he brought to our house and stored in our garage. So I was able to go through thousands of fucking old books and keep whatever I wanted, basically. <coughs> Excuse me. In many of those books, I was able to uh, add to and sell in my store. So I had books from, you know, all over the place. And I had been collecting books for you know, 20 some years, but anyway, uh, Tulare was a, a small town, like I said, but there, there was a college in the next town, so I'd get a lot of uh, college students coming in looking for, for books, and uh, even high school students coming in if their uh, English teachers gave them a weird reading assignment that they had to find a book for um, they would come in sometimes I'd get you know four or five ten kids coming in looking for the same book and I rarely had that many copies of any one book but you know at least I could uh, sell the ones that I had so and you know it was Main Street so um Across the street and down just a little ways, there was a, a big, uh, used, like not used, but antique toy store. I don't know what that guy was doing in Tulare, but um, he had a lot of really cool shit. And I'd go in there and spend money quite frequently. And I ran into a lot of really interesting people down there. That's where I got uh, um, turned on to uh, Star Trek role-playing kind of shit. Um, turned out these two guys, there was another store across the street. Originally it had been a, a card shop, baseball card, a sporting card shop. And uh, that that went away and uh, turned into a comic book store to uh, I can't remember if they were two brothers or just two friends that looked alike but anyway they had this comic book store and uh, they were involved in the Star Trek convention, convention circuit as well and that's where I uh, got introduced to uh, the Klingon Star Trek group um, and for being you know out in the middle of pretty much nowhere that whole valley area had more damn 
comic cons and conventions going on and in place else like that. Not only that, they had a yearly Rin Festival, Renaissance Fair Festival. And I had been going to Renaissance Fairs for, God, forever, I think, and I started in high school. And uh, I think when I was up there, uh, they were in their second year, maybe, or two in the fair there in town. And I, I immediately got involved with that because, you know, that's just... That sort of thing is right up your alley. Well, I'm a, I'm a geek, okay? Some shit I like. Ren fairs, conventions, shit like that. Anyway, <clears throat> I got hooked up with the Renfair people, and for the next five years, I uh, helped them out, and uh, the same people who put on the Renfair also put on a haunted house every year there in town, in the, in the, the theater. So I got hooked up with that too, so... I mean, I was more involved with shit in that little tiny podunk town than I ever was in, you know, the bigger cities where I lived. I mean, there was always something going on. Uh, haunted house deal was just fucking amazing. And uh, they would build this maze in this theater every year. And... Uh, well, anyway, you all know what a haunted house is. That was just a lot of fun. The Ren Fair was great. Uh, after that second year, it got so big, we moved to a larger park. And we were there for another three years, I think, before we had to move to an even bigger park. But uh, that was great. I, I had a lot of fun in that little shitty town. Back to the bookstore. So, uh, the bookstore, uh, you know, I was there um, all day, five days a week. And uh, my son uh, would come up and visit periodically. And while he wasn't uh, Creeperson at the time, he was still a, uh, a, you know, a very good musician. And I'd have him come in, and, and he'd sit in the store some some days when he was up there, and he'd play guitar and sing. <clears throat> and people would come in, you know, to hear him sing, and you know, buy something periodically. Um, that was cool. The guys across the street, the comic book brothers, uh, produced their own comic book, so. We had a you know book signing with them uh, at the store, and uh, oddly enough, at the time I was not writing. Oh really? Why was that? I guess I was just too busy doing other shit, but I wasn't writing at all. Although that would have been a perfect place for me to um, write. Um, well, I take that back a little bit. I did produce a newsletter every month from the store. Uh, so I was actually writing. I just wasn't uh, you know, 
publishing <clears throat> stories or anything, but I did put out a three or four page newsletter every month, so that was that was even even that was fun. I just enjoyed doing everything, you know, that had to do with that that damn bookstore. <clears throat> and uh, it was it was just a lot of fun. So I actually hate to ask this part of the question. You know, obviously we met because you moved here, you know, to the high desert of California. So, you know, there must have been something that made you leave Tulare. And what was it? What made you decide to to leave Tulare and and give up the bookstore? Uh, Well problem with having a uh, bookstore in a uh, small rural community where 65% of the population are uh, itinerant farm workers is that not enough people read. And then to top everything off, um, some other guy opened a huge bookstore on the other side of town. And my bookstore was, well, the whole store was a thousand feet, but only about 900 of that was actual storefront. This guy had like a 5,000 foot uh, warehouse kind of space. And he, you know, he had thousands of more books than I did. I don't know where the fuck he got his inventory. But anyway. So we, we bounced back and forth for, you know, a few months and shit, and uh, um, what basically happened was that the bookstore just wasn't making enough money to uh, pay all bills that the bookstore was racking up. After the first year, I had to uh, cancel my insurance, you know, for the store, and and I had paid a bunch of money for, uh, you know, an alarm system sh- shit that I was... And then I had to pay a monthly fee on that and everything. So I had to cancel that. And, and eventually it just got to the point where, you know, we couldn't do it anymore. So after about 18 or 20 months or something like that, we closed up. And it really hurt. But, you know, just like everyone else in the world, we needed to make money. So we closed up, and I brought all the good stuff home with me again. All the books and everything, all the other shit that I wanted. And uh, went out of business. But uh, I still had... uh, a lot of good memories from that from that period, you know. And then I had to uh, go out and get a real fucking job, which was annoying as all hell. But uh, I started working for uh, a company that uh, trained uh, developmentally disabled adults, and uh, that was an interesting gig. Didn't pay worth shit, but. It was steady, and it paid more than the bookstore did, for the most part. 
wasn't nearly as much fun. But I got to go to lots of different stores and train uh, adults to work in different aspects of sales and stocking and things like that. Um, I worked at a Wendy's, at a Walmart, a hardware store, other restaurants, you know, training people how to do these basically simple jobs, but um, wasn't always simple for them to learn how to do. But it was interesting, and in the meantime, I was uh, still helping to restore the Victorian home, and uh, that work was difficult, to say the least, but uh, I learned a lot about uh, how to restore homes. You know, putting up wallpaper on those old uh, lath and plaster balls was insane. First you had to put up a thick sheet of, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but anyway, you had to put up this thick sheet of, like, vellum stuff, um, because the wallpaper wouldn't stick to the... Uh, stucco or, lath, or the plaster rather see what these were you know they put up the, the wooden slats and then they smeared plaster all over it and the wallpaper would stick to the plaster so you had to put up this other shit first and then you had to put the wallpaper up on that and in those days they wallpapered the ceilings as well as the walls so we had to do ceiling wallpaper and you had to do all the uh replace all the waste coating and the uh, picture rail around the top of the, you know, the ceiling and I mean just all kinds of weird shit. But it looked beautiful uh, when we got done with that. However, in the meantime, meantime, my, uh, my wife had a daughter who was living with us. But her dad lived in uh, the high desert of California. And my wife was tired of to marry because the weather pretty much sucked. You know, uh, cold and occasionally snow in the wintertime and hot as hell and miserable in the summertime. Um, so she wanted to get out of there. Um... She wanted to move back to Southern California, but I I was happy when I left Southern California in 91, and I didn't want to go back. It was just a, uh, it was a fucking zoo, you know, too many people. Shit, I'd say it's worse now than it was back in 91. So, we compromised, sort of. Okay, I compromised, and uh, we moved to the high desert, 
where my stepdaughter's dad lived. Well, actually, before we moved, I, <coughs> my wife had uh, been living down, <coughs> excuse me, down there in Apple Valley, high desert, uh, with her you know, former husband and the father of her daughter for a few years before they got divorced. So she knew the area, and I didn't. So I sent her down there to scout out the area to see if she could find us a place to live and see if she could find jobs and shit. And I stayed up in Tulare and finished up working and packing that kind of crap. Um, and she found us a pretty amazing house, really, uh, in Hesperia. Dave, you know the house. That's the place where I lived for 15 years. Oh, okay. The, the house in Hesperia. I know which one you're talking about. And she found the house, and it was, uh, well, it was reasonable. Uh, it was more than we were paying in Tulare, but, you know, it was reasonable for the area. And she brought me back some papers and stuff that, uh, so I could look for jobs. Okay, well, anyway. So we, uh, we packed up and moved got there uh, in early February, I think, of 96, maybe, 95 or 96. Anyway, we got there in the middle of the night before the moving truck got there, and um, she had my wife, when she uh, rented the house and, and everything, uh, asked to have all the services turned on for some reason, the day after we got there. So, <clears throat> three of us were, we had no water, no electricity. So, uh, I, I went out and bought a couple of jugs of water, and we, we ended up sleeping on the living room floor with our dog um, that night, and then the... Uh, the truck arrived the next morning, and we unloaded loaded that and moved in. Now, the, the really funny thing about that whole episode was uh, my first job there. And my first job was at uh, Desert Valley Cemetery, where I was a before-need counselor, which basically means you sell people dirt. You know, lots, plots, whatever, uh, to be buried in. And I thought uh, that was going to be a cool job, you know. Uh, but I, I didn't realize when I went and applied for it that it was commission work. So you only got paid if you sold something. And they had to train all of us counselors how to uh, sell mostly grieving family members and old people um, burial plots. But they would rather that we sold mausoleum or 
above ground in tournaments because those are more expensive. And the training was so disgusting to me because, you know, you were preying on the grief and the guilt of people who had a relative recently pass, you know, and so you're trying to get them to buy the most expensive coffins and uh, burial apparatus um, that they could possibly, well, not even that they could possibly afford. You wanted to get them to spend more money than they could afford. Anyway, it was a fucking disgusting, ridiculous job, and that didn't last very long, um, because I, I, I just don't like taking advantage of people, especially people who are um, in that type of situation. So, anyway, um, and I went on from there to a marvelous job working in the electronics department at Walmart. Yay! Where that job was so hideously stressful and miserable that I actually had a stroke. Minor stroke. Didn't kill me, obviously, but I had a stroke working there. And uh, when I went to see a doctor several days later, he wanted to put me in the hospital immediately because my blood pressure was so high, which caused the stroke. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. I left that job because I didn't want to die working at Walmart. So my wife had uh, pretty quickly landed a job at Desert Valley Hospital. And turned out that... Uh, they had a job opening for a monitor technician in ICU, and I, I didn't even know what a monitor technician was, even though I had already spent a number of years in the medical field. But uh, when I was in the medical field, they didn't have monitor technicians. Uh, the nurses did that. But as you know, time went on, uh, nurses were required to do more patient care and less assorted bullshit. So they decided to uh, hire people to do that job for them. And that's basically the same way I got started in respiratory therapy um, 25 years earlier. The nurses didn't want to do the shit that the respiratory therapists had to do, so they invented a position and hired people to do it for them. That's pretty much what happened with the monitor technicians. They uh, invented the position and hired people to basically monitor uh, the patients in ICU and patients on the floor who had telemetry, monitor their, their heart rhythms and uh, let nurses and doctors know if there were any abnormal rhythms or if somebody like stopped beating or heart stopped beating, that kind of shit. So anyway, Desert Valley had a training program 
where they actually you know trained you to do this job and since they had a job opening I thought well fuck I'll do that I mean I, I already have medical training so I I took that that class that course and uh, did real well in it uh, graduated and discovered the job was no longer open of course there was however a job opening at a hospital across town Victor Valley Hospital because they had just opened their own heart unit they were doing bypasses and other shit so there was like a oh, 16 bed unit or something like that they needed monitor techs in there so I got hired over there um, cool job liked it was only there for about four or five weeks when the uh, unit was closed down because the uh, doctor who was running it had hired a bunch of his Filipino relatives who weren't qualified to even be there in the hospital working on patients so there was a big fucking scandal about that and they fired up a whole bunch of people and they closed down the unit however uh, they also had an ICU there and a step-down unit, so I still had a job at Victor Valley. I worked there for four and a half years and began to hate it. And then they had a job opening again at Desert Valley, so I transferred over to Desert Valley, quit Victor, and went to Desert. I was working in the ICU in, in Desert Valley. And uh, lo and behold... At some point, after I started working there, and since I don't remember exactly when it was, I can't remember the date, but anyway, that was when I met Dave. Remember Dave? Oh yeah, definitely. That was uh, like August of 2003. I was just a, a CNA at the time. Um, in fact, it was you who convinced me to go and take that class that you took, you know, for to be a EKG monitor technician. And um, I know you pulled some strings and you got me into the step-down unit over there. And, and I worked over there as what it was called a, a critical care technician. And um, again, now that I'm reflecting back on this, I'm sure you had something to do with getting me into ICU where... You trained me. I mean, I, I knew basic dysrhythmia and, and how to interpret rhythms, but you trained me how to become a monitor tech. And, and in fact, you know, even to this day, 10 years later, I still use the knowledge that you taught me. You know, and in fact, I, I try to pass on that knowledge and understanding that you taught me to, to the new and younger monitor techs coming out there. It was a great time because, um, you know, I, I got to work with you. In fact, I, I remember setting my schedule up to correspond with your schedule. Um, you know, out of the three 12-hour shifts you worked a week, I worked two of those days with you. So, you know, two days a week I, I got to, to work with you in ICU. Um, it, was, it was some of the best times that I've had so far, you know, as far as working with someone else. It was just a, a really good time, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And in fact, you know, to be honest with you, I, I owe a lot to you for the career that I have now today. 
So thank you for that. You know, I, I appreciate everything that you did. It was, it was good times. It was very good times. So Dave and I met, and, uh, you know, after a fairly short period of time, we got uh, hooked up together with the world of myth, and went on to, you know, publish publishing and erotica magazine. Um, God, then we ended up doing this other weird thing. What was that? Uh, oh, yeah, podcasting. We got into that. So, I spent um, about five years at Desert Valley, and I can't remember exactly why I left, except I was just miserable. I think my... Uh, my back was, was acting up. I, I have an old back injury that uh, causes me a lot of pain periodically, and I think that might have been part of why I left uh, Desert Valley. I was um, trying to get Social Security disability, and I ended up getting it finally after two and a half years of battling with Social Security, and it was because of my back. Um, so I left Desert Valley and was still there for a while until my wife decided to retire in 2010, and we were unable to afford the house we had lived in for 15 years any longer. So we moved to Idaho because we were going to live with her daughter and her husband. Well, they were actually going to build us an apartment on their land um, but that fell through. So I'm still in Idaho with my wife, but we can't afford to move back to Southern California. We can't actually even afford to live here. So that covers my, uh, my life in Tulare and my life in Hesperia. That's about 20 years in, a, in 45 minutes. Um, I left, probably left out a few things, but uh, uh, that was that was pretty much it. Basically, the uh, the question was about the bookstore, and uh, you know, I have to admit that. Uh, that was a fine time, fine time. I, I enjoyed that portion of my life very much. And while Tulare itself was not one of the best places in California to live, it was, uh, you know, I enjoyed being there, at least for, for the most part. So, I guess that's just another snapshot of my my existence and I guess we'll just uh, 
go ahead and close out now, close out shop the, for this episode. And uh, thanks everyone for continuing to listen. Appreciate y'all being out there. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next episode. Dave, I'll let you close us out. And to everyone out there, read a book. Good night, all. As always, it's it's fun to listen to you reminisce, especially with stuff like that. I, I didn't know the story behind Tulare. And um, maybe one of these days we can sit down, whether it be recorded or just sit down and talk. I'd, I'd actually like to listen to more stories about Tulare because um, it sounds like you really enjoyed yourself and enjoyed life while you were out there. So one of these days we'll have to sit down and talk about it some more. Alright, well that's it for this week. For Terry D. Shear, I am David K. Montoya. And as usual, and as always, I bid you all a good night. See what I mean? It was just, it's, to me it was very inspirational. The whole story, the whole everything you know because i've been thinking about opening up a comic book shop and and i've been picking terry's brain about that because i know he ran you know his used bookstore and and kind of learning information off of that and it was just very inspiring and i hope that that's the way it came across to you folks as it was inspiring all right kids that's it for this week i'm gonna go ahead and park the wayback machine for now and um I think maybe Reaper Rick has something for it this week. I'm not sure. We share. I don't know if you've noticed, but we share the Wayback Machine. So come back next week. I'll pull three more episodes, and we'll enjoy from the Jaisal Modcast archives. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>